When I'm worried and I can't sleep I count my blessings instead of sheep I fall asleep Counting my blessings When my bankroll is getting small I think of when I had none at all I fall asleep Counting my blessings Like the song says you have trouble falling asleep don't count sheep count your blessings on the anderson reserver podcast news from people you trust november 24 2015 12 days of christmas 12 numbers on a clock and 12 people in anderson who are grateful to express their gratitude this thanksgiving season today's podcast is brought to you by the anderson county farmers market holiday market which kicks off saturday it will be open 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. Saturday, and then again on December 5th, December 12th, and December 19th. And it has something for everybody on your shopping list. If you haven't been to one of these, where have you been? It is packed out with all sorts of amazing gift ideas for everyone on your list. Visit them on Facebook to see exactly what I'm talking about. And by Sullivan's at Brookstone, where you can get the same great Sullivan's food. Lunch Wednesday through Sunday, that's right, Sunday Sullivan's lunch. And dinner Thursday through Saturday, that's Sullivan's at Brookstone. Visit them at Sullivan'sBrookstone.com or see their Facebook page to check out the menu and tell the folks out there you heard about it on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. It's Thanksgiving time, the one day of the year we set aside to take stock of what we are thankful for and to share that thankfulness with others. I am thankful I get to do this podcast, and I've been able to do it for more than seven months now. I'll talk a lot more about that on the year-end podcast in a few weeks, but this podcast was sort of born from the ashes of the morning show with Greg and Allie. Some of you listened to that on WRX. It was an attempt to keep some local voice on the air talking about what is good in Anderson and who is doing good things in Anderson. It is certainly no replacement for our daily morning show. But so many of you have subscribed and sent emails indicating you're glad we're here, and I'm glad we're here too. And that's what this show is about today, gratitude. I get to talk to some amazing people in our hometown and share those talks with you, and I am very grateful for it. So today's podcast is all about gratitude. Gratitude unlocks fullness in life. It turns what we have into enough and even more, and it turns chaos into order and confusion into clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude is a key that unlocks so many doors if we'll just look for it. So happy Thanksgiving. It is time to say grace. Many of us say grace all the time. But grace is that quiet thanks for the love, for our blessings, and the things we say before we shovel in all that food on Thursday. For just a minute, we might remember that this food didn't magically appear. Somebody grew it. The ground put it out. Somebody bought it. Somebody cooked it. And all of that is because of grace. We do want to say thank you for the miracle that we've all stuck together these years. I know my family and I are thankful for that. In spite of everything, we have each other's backs and we have hilarious companionship, at least in my family. We will say thank you for the plentiful, outrageous food, even lime jello if somebody brings that. And we pray to be mindful of the needs of others because there are so many in need. Um, it's a good time to remind everybody that the Haven of Rest is serving their Thanksgiving meal on Thanksgiving Day. If you need somewhere to go, take off out there. It's free. We also savor all the good moments from the year, and we're conscious of love's presence, of God's great, ab great abiding generosity to us. 
to our dear Motley family and crew, and that these holy moments of gratitude are so special, and that is grace. So today will be our longest podcast of the year, and I could not be happier about the topic. I asked some folks around Anderson that we all owe a debt of gratitude to to discuss what they are grateful for and why they are grateful. All of them were gracious enough to say, yeah, I would love to do that. And as a result, we have the longest podcast we have ever recorded. Stay with us. You'll be glad you did. We're going to start with someone that maybe only a few of you know. Her name is Phyllis White, and she helps keep the county's top administrator on track and on topic and continues to play a major role in this county's success and has since she started here. She also has a smile that is one of the most welcoming in all the county. If you've been in county government and haven't met Phyllis White, then you really haven't been up to the historic courthouse to, to meet with the administrator. Here's what Phyllis had to say about gratitude. Talking Phyllis White. And Phyllis, tell us your exact title. I'm uh, Phyllis White. I'm the executive assistant to the administrator, Anderson County Administrator. All right. And we're talking going into Thanksgiving week about gratitude. And I was just talking to different people. What are you thankful for? Well, I have so much to be thankful for, but most of all, I'm thankful for good health and my parents who uh, give me wisdom. And I'm just glad to have them with me so much each and every day. And I'm also thankful for freedom of religion. The freedom of my faith is deep and that keeps me going every day. I'm thankful for a, a job that I love very well. I'm thankful for good health, friends, family. I'm thankful for my cats because they give me unconditional love. So I'm thankful for those. <laughs> and I'm just, I, I'm just thankful for a home, family, friends. Um, thankful, I'm just totally thankful. You think gratitude makes life better? Uh, yes. I, I'm very grateful. I have a, about a lot of different things. I mean, I have a lot to be um, show my gratitude for, and I, I think that does. You know. And I know you've had some uh, health things this year. You look like you're feeling better. Everything's yes, good. Yes, I'm, I'm. Yes, and I'm very thankful for that because I went through some major surgeries, and God has seen me through that, and I'm very thankful for that. Well, I'm thankful you're always here to help. You always are so helpful when we need something, and I appreciate that. And I'm happy always, Thanksgiving. Always glad to help. Thank Thanks, you. Phyllis. Okay. Phyllis is such a grateful person and a person who just exhibits gratitude every time I run into her. Another person that we're all thankful for, and we're also thankful that he has followed a path set before him, is Kirk Stutler, the pastor of South Main Chapel and Mercy Center down on uh, South Main Street. He has built a great place of communion with folks from all walks of life and also a great place for other churches to contribute to what they do down there and take part in many of their services they have two meals a week, as he will, he will mention to you here in a minute. And they are really reaching out to what the, the Scripture calls in Matthew 25, the least of these. All right, I'm going to let you tell me how to pronounce your name so I'll know from here on how, Kurt. So. Okay, it's Kurt Stutler. Okay. It's uh, K-U-R-T and then S-T-U-T-L-E-R. And that's... Uh... German? Is it? Yeah, German. Oh, that's yes, not a wild guess. I guess. <laughs> and you're a pastor of Mercy Chapel. Is that the, is a longer name? Uh, yes. The, the name is South Main Chapel and Mercy Center. Mercy Center. I keep yeah. hearing people call it Mercy Chapel. Yeah. But you know what? If you're known for mercy, that's a good uh, That's right. Exactly. What, what, how long have you been here? Well, we opened the church in June of 2014. Um, this uh, had been the Orville United Methodist Church for 112 years, and that congregation discontinued in uh, June of 2012. And uh, the district superintendent of the United Methodist Church, Susan Leonard Ray, uh, really planted a vision for uh, reopening uh, a congregation here in this building on South Main Street that would serve 
the needs of people right outside our doors here and, and build a, a diverse a body of Christ that could, through relationships with each other, strengthen one another so that um, not only are you lifting up the downtrodden, but those of us who are more fluent also have our understanding of life and the world expanded and 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 I think it causes us to be people of greater compassion and, and uh, understanding. Well, I've talked to a lot of people who visited down here and everybody without without exception has been really impressed with what's going on. Uh, I know um, I've heard all kinds of great stories about that you do have a very diverse congregation. Absolutely, yeah. And that a lot of people are just, uh, you know, sort of checking y'all out. They're not church folks at all. They just want to kind of come see what this is about. Yes. And uh, you're on the south side of town where a lot of people have not come to try to minister. You know, Absolutely. everything seems to be going north. And all the big new churches are opening up, heading up the other way. Yes. The... Yeah, it's kind of um, in some ways counterintuitive to start a church in uh, a part of a community that seems to be on the decline, right. decline population-wise, decline uh, business investment-wise. Um, but you know, if you look at the look at this biblically, um, Jesus uh, went to where people's needs were the greatest, not necessarily to where the resources were the greatest. Right. Well, and really, the only demarcation that Jesus makes in all scriptures in Matthew twenty-five those who are actually meeting the needs of the people around them and those who aren't. And even though you got two groups asking the same questions, one of them got it and the other one didn't. Right. But, you know, South Anderson, uh, it was the growing area until 85 was built. Right. Everything was growing this way. Right. And then when 85 went in, and, of course, the lake went in just before that, and then when the interstate was built in the early 60s, I mean, uh, back when I was a kid, uh, the, the growth stopped down this way right. and everything moved up towards the interstate as it did almost in every community. So, In addition to the decline of the textile right. industry. Right, that's right. Uh, and that affected probably this end of town more than other parts because the, the, you know, the mill... And even uh, fiberglass. I mean, it, yeah. it, a lot of the mills that either depended on the textile auxiliaries or the other things that were you know going right. down this way. Right, yeah. But... Um, now, tell me a little about where you came from. What what brought you here? Well, I've lived in Anderson for 22 years. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm originally from Indiana, uh, but my wife's family lived here in Anderson. Um, my wife's father was the had come to Anderson as manager of the J.C. Penney store at the mall, and uh, they had lived here since 1973. Okay. And so, in 1992, we were living in northern Kentucky. I was serving as a hospital chaplain um, there, and uh, my father-in-law uh, had been diagnosed with cancer, and my wife really wanted to get home closer to family, and I, I had lived in South Carolina briefly uh, four years prior and loved the, the weather and loved the people. And yeah, those northern Kentucky so I, weathers yeah, are not. I, I, so, and I'd grown up in Indiana with that kind of weather, and so I told her, I said, well, if we can find jobs, I'm game to go, and we did, and moved here, and um, so I really think that uh, in starting a new church, you know, oftentimes when, when uh, faith groups decide to start a new congregation, uh, they, they, they hire a church planter uh, from outside the community and they just stick them into that uh, community and say, go at it. Um, to have lived here for as long as I have really has been, I think, a, a blessing because the people I've gotten to know and the relationships I've been able to build 
uh, in the community have really benefited uh, us as we developed uh, this this ministry that it, I really see as a holistic ministry. Uh, we are a church. I say that we're first and foremost a church. We're a body of Christ. We're a worshiping community, but we're really a place to serve the whole person, both their their heartfelt needs, their spiritual needs, along with physical needs and, and emotional and mental health needs uh, as well. Well, how did you feel called to this particular ministry. I mean, it's, you could have chosen, well, if you were called a ministry, you could have chosen some easier paths. Oh, uh, definitely. Um, and, and I, you know, call, the call, the development of, of a call is, I think, an interesting thing because, at least in my case, I, I don't know that, you know, 30 years ago when I was ordained into ministry that I really had my mind set on doing this sort of a thing. But it's just over time, my life experiences have, uh, prepared me, I think, for this. I, when we first moved to South Carolina in 1992, I, I took a job at Patrick B. Harris Psychiatric Hospital as a mental health counselor. And my wife was a nurse, and I ended up working eight and a half years for the Department of Mental Health, uh, four years at Patrick B. Harris, and four and a half years at, at Greenville Mental Health Center. And I think through that experience of, of coming to an, uh, an understanding of what it's like to live with mental illness and with addiction issues, prepared me for this sort of ministry that, um, uh, that, that we intentionally are, are reaching out to people that struggle in those areas of their lives, provide a supportive faith community for them, and a place for them to be engaged and involved, to be contributors as well. Well, that's very unusual, particularly the mental health community. I mean, churches have traditionally not known what to do with people who are struggling with pronounced, profound mental health issues. It makes them uncomfortable and just lack of training. I think the lack of training and just the uncomfortable factor may be more. I think people there have been people with great hearts that just didn't know what to do. I mean, people who were kind and wanted to do something but just absolutely clueless as to what to do. Yeah, and that's why I, um, you know, I think that my experience of working for the Departmental Health, I, I would now not trade for anything because it, it allowed me to not be intimidated uh, by folks who may be wrestling with those sort of issues. And I, I claim that I'm no, you know, no great expert in the area, but I, I, I do have a sense of understanding of what they may be going through. Well, the percentages to the population are huge. People overlook how many people struggle with some level of diagnosable mental illness. Absolutely. They really do. I mean, yes, people yes. who have resources. And that sort of thing crosses also. It does. I was going to say, people who have resources are able to hide it a little better. Right. Because they do have access to at least some sort of help once there's but people who don't have resources are sort of out of luck. That's right. Especially yeah. in South Carolina where, and I mean, we don't spend time talking politics, but it, it is important to mention that not expanding Medicaid in this state hurt a lot of folks who were mentally ill. It, it did not give them access that they would have otherwise. Oh yes, and the resources have shrunk since I wrote, you know, to I think back to the days when I came here in 92, uh, or 93 actually, I guess it was, in 1993, uh, you know, Patrick B. Harris was a full facility with an adolescent unit and a drug and alcohol unit. And over the years, uh, the adolescent unit's gone, the drug and alcohol unit is gone, and they're, they're sitting out there with a facility that has empty beds because the resources are not there to fully staff and fund it. And, uh, and I know some of that's been restored since the economic crisis of 2008, but nearly not enough. And, and what we're seeing is that uh, in fact, I, someone said at a gathering I was at recently that now the largest inpatient 
mental health treatment facility in our state is our prison system. Absolutely. Uh, which, of course, is an oxymoron because they're not providing treatment. They're not. It is a nightmare. You know, when President Kennedy tried to shift everything to a more local approach, then, unfortunately, after he passed, states uh, saw it more as an opportunity to cut funds. When they come to church, I mean, how, how, how do you approach ministering to folks who are dealing with schizophrenia or, you know, severe mental issues? Right. Well, um, we're obviously not a clinic. And, right. And I think one thing that makes us unique is when folks come here, they're not labeled. I mean, we don't say, we don't somehow point out, well, this person's got the diagnosis and this person doesn't. We're creating community right. here. So uh, while that's not a panacea for all mental health issues, I mean, there's still an important role to be played by psychiatric care and, and medications and psychotherapy and all of those things. But um, I think creating a place where people can feel connected to, to a community is really part of the healing process as well and a part of the, the providing a supportive network that people can live in the community because they're, they're not alone. Um, so I think that's really what we strive for. Um, and, and it's not always easy. And, and, you know, sometimes the help that we've given folks, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that their life is turned around 180 degrees never to turn back. But um, uh, we've, we've taken a philosophy that we don't give up on anybody. You know, we have a setback, that's part of it. We're still here for you. Well, and that, that, that's something you mentioned there. That is the universal cry, I think, of the human heart. And all these stories you see is people looking for community. And it's in community they begin to see uh, the reality of a higher power. When you try to, you know, traditionally, at least, you know, I'm eight generations here. I mean, traditionally grew up in it and been around it. Traditionally, when I was growing up, they started with hell and tried to work their way back to God. You know, <laughs> yeah. there was a long road from hell back to, to Jesus somewhere in there, and yeah. but it was never very connected to dots. And I'll be honest, I went to two seminaries and it wasn't much better. I mean, I went to Golden Gate and Southern, uh -huh. and I, I did not hear a whole lot of talk about community. And uh, another reason that we we place an emphasis upon meals, uh, we we have right now two meals a week, uh, a Monday or Sunday after church, we eat every Sunday together. And then Monday, uh, there'll be a community meal here provided by Concord Baptist Church. Um, but to me, that's all about building community, too. I mean, Jesus also gave us that model that to break bread together is about building relationships with each other. And through those relationships, we draw strength and um, we find healing. And um, Well, it certainly echoes the early church as well. I mean, it was all around, they're around food and... Absolutely. Having yes. things together. Yes. Uh, I, um, we, we don't really see ourselves as an agency here. Right. Uh, to me, the concept of agency also means someone comes that has a need, and the agency is there to give them something to meet that need. Uh, we do, do do some of that, but it's, it's an exchange so that uh, we hope that everyone that comes through our doors finds a way to give back, too. And, and that's part of the whole concept that we're a community. So folks that may have gotten some help with a food pack or a hygiene pack or maybe uh, some assistance in getting into a, to a house, 
uh, also will be here on Sunday and lead in prayer in worship. They'll sweep the floors or uh, uh, vacuum the sanctuary uh, or help put away supplies. You know, it, everyone has something that they of themselves that they can contribute to the life of the community. Right. And um, to me, I think there's growth in that, where if we're simply just an agency meeting a need, uh, there's some limitations there. Well, without engagement, you don't feel a part of things, right. and I don't care what it is. And we, you know, I'm talking about the one local dollar thing we're headed towards uh, to try to get the community involved and in helping each other. Every asking everybody, right, from those who are living on the streets, people living on the streets can come up with fifty cents to give to help their neighbors, yeah. and that suddenly they're engaged in giving back. Right. And something that may not have crossed their mind, because people who don't have resources don't think they can give back and right. help. And, and, and freeing them up to understand, you know what, your 50 cents and your dollar is, um, you put those together, you're starting to change this community. Right. You're doing this, you know? Right. And uh, I, I think people that uh, get too busy and forget, and, and one of the things I do know that's happened is one of the things that first brought my attention to your, your church here is a lot of folks who are really called to ministries in other churches come down here to visit or give down here right. or donate or do something because they really, what you're doing resonates with them. They're like, right. I'm already teaching here. I'm in a place where I feel like I need to be, but I really like what you're doing down there, and I want to come down some. And, and, so, it and really that's is, kind of a good. It's, it's a partnership, and uh, it's an ecumenical endeavor. Where another, I think, really blessing of the whole uh, the whole concept is that we found a way for people across denominational lines, across even uh, theological lines, from conservative to more liberal. To you know, everyone can believe in the concept of mercy. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, it kind of is over and above uh, all those uh, dogmatic positions that we sometimes take. So it's a way for people to work together without having to uh, necessarily wave the banner of their own particular narrow agenda. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly the things that we've been able to do in the year and a half we've been open could not have happened had we not had so many wonderful partnerships. Well, if you get people in a room in a private place and they get them quiet and say, you know, do you want justice or do you want mercy in your life? Mm -hmm. Most people begin to think about mercy in a different light. Right. And then you think, we want that to think about that the people around you, you know. Um, but are y'all solvent? Are y'all able to, to keep things going here financially? Or do y'all take donations from outside? Or is there uh, a way to We're always taking donations. How can people give down here if they want to give okay. to you? Okay, uh, well, we have a, a list of um, items that we collect on a regular basis uh, to do your yeah, Facebook website we do it? have Facebook and um, so they go to your what is your Facebook it's uh, just South Main uh, Chapel and Mercy Center okay. uh, and just type that and in. that'll have they'll be able to find all and, this stuff and, uh, yeah we routinely post uh, kind of our needs list um, we, we and we love to um, give people tours if they want to come by and talk with us in person bring the group from their church or organization to take a tour. We, we, we love to do that. Um, you know, we give away uh, what we call our pop-top food bags and hygiene packs on a regular basis. So keeping supplies of those items to put in those is something that we are ever in need of. Uh, we give out things from time to time like bicycles that folks can use to get to, to work. Um, from time to time, blankets. And, and of course, as cold weather comes, start uh, hats and scarves and gloves. Um, uh, from time to time, we give out tents uh, for folks who are homeless and have no other option. 
Um, so those kind of items, and of course, you know, funding, we're, we, we do receive funding through the United Methodist Church as a new church start, um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's only a portion of what it takes to keep our doors but open. But people can do no, donate directly to you. They can too. donate directly to Is us. Is there a way to give online? Uh, we do not have that set up yet. Okay. We're still, we just recently got our uh, website address, so that's in the process of being developed. Okay. But, um, uh, certainly, they can, uh, you know, they can well, send sure. us a check or come right. by and visit us. Or yeah, the, the address is on the Facebook page. Yes. In the meantime, uh, yeah. when you get that set up, let me know. We'll let people know about that, okay. too. Uh, I know, certainly, like I said, I've heard a number of folks in the community express gratitude for what y'all are doing here. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about gratitude this week's Thanksgiving yes. week. Yeah. This, this podcast will run the day before Thanksgiving. And um, I was just going to ask you... Uh, how has gratitude played a part in the last year and a half y'all have been here? I mean, both gratitude to the community and the, the gratefulness you've seen in the people that y'all are serving. And right, yeah. Uh, wow, I've been overwhelmed by the generosity of, of the community, as I expressed, and, and from the unexpected places that sometimes uh, that support has come. Um, I, I think that, you know, I keep saying this is a God thing. It has to be a God thing because I certainly didn't have enough creativity or ingenuity or, or, or ability to, to get, get us from the place where we were as when this was an empty church building to being a vibrant community of faith integrated uh, socioeconomically, providing many different sorts of services, uh, uh, holistic services. All of that is, is a God thing, and it's a gift from God, and it's come through faithful people throughout this community and beyond, um, and I'm just humbled uh, by, by the trust that has been placed uh, in me and in this place to... to to take the gifts that are given and put them to a use that will bring glory to God and meet the needs of people. And if people want to come visit, tell them when services are? Services uh, are 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Uh, we usually start gathering about 10, 15. We have a, a fellowship time with some refreshments and uh, worship at 11. And we have lunch uh, after worship and Bible study after that. So Sunday's a full day. Okay, well, that's yeah. great. Now, I'm asking this of everybody. Is there anything personally you'd like to express gratitude for during this season? Everybody's talking about Thanksgiving. Is there anything? Yeah, well, um, I'm certainly grateful to, uh, to be a part of a community that cares so much for the least of these and uh, to have this opportunity to, being, to, to be a part of something new and exciting that's bringing people together. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I'm very, very grateful for a loving and supportive family, my wife and sons and grandchild, and uh, I'm grateful for the, the opportunity to live in a country that, uh, um, that believes in uh, freedom and the value of every human being. Um, so there's just so many things I'm grateful for. Well, again, we're grateful for the work you're doing, uh, and I want folks to express that gratitude. Go to Facebook and see what they need, and you've got till the end of the year to meet some of those needs. It's an easy way they can drop it off here. It's just down South Main Street. You can't miss it. Right. So drop 2408 it off South Main Street. 2408, yeah. and you're on Facebook. Appreciate you talking to us, okay. and you have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks.
I do hope people will get out and support the great work that they are doing down at the South Main Chapel and Mercy Center. Visit them on Sunday uh, and, and join them in a meal, and you can see what it's all about there. And another thing we wanted to talk about was Anderson Senior Population, who has experienced more Thanksgivings than anybody else. And it just continues to grow here in Anderson. We're one of the great places people are coming to retire, plus the people who've been here a long time love it and want to stay here. It's their home. And there's one person that everyone who is getting a little snow on the top of their head can be thankful for, and that's Kelly Joe Barnwell, the director of the Joe Brown Senior Activity Center in Anderson County. We are talking to Kelly Joe Barnwell at the Joe Brown Senior Activity Center, which is JBC, uh, JBSA. See, we don't drop. We don't put the A in there. Just the Joe Brown Center. That way, it's any activity you want it to be. Well, what does the Joe Brown Center have to be thankful for this year? Oh, Greg, we have so much to be thankful for. Um, One, we have a county that believes in its senior citizen population, Um, and not every county is as fortunate and blessed as we are. Um, to not only believe in our senior citizens and those um, that reach a certain age, and I don't know that we actually clarify what that age is anymore. (laughs) Um, I always love to say that we don't cart at the door, so if you want to come in, come on in. If we have an activity that looks inviting and interesting to you, that door is wide open. So um, in today's world, you know, senior citizen is, it, it's just... It's a growing population, a, but you start thinking the things you can't do. But the things you can right. do. That's what and, happens and when people start focusing on, I can't do this and I can't do that. that. That's what we're grateful for. We've got a can-do attitude around here. And so our county believes in special populations and believes in this historical um, McCants facility where Special Olympics is in the back and... Um, we've got so much interaction between our senior citizens and our special needs um, community. Um, we've got our Meals on Wheels on the corner that reaches out and does the very best job of making sure that our seniors that can't do any more still receive a big smile, a warm heart, and you know a warm, warm cooked meal. And then here at the JBC, we just kind of wrap it all up with a big bow of um, what what makes you stay young at heart? What is your activity of choice? Um, some of our most popular activities are bridge. We've got a great population um, that are brilliant. They're very smart. They love to pull up to the bridge table. They are also very competitive. Um, We have as many gentlemen as we do ladies in our bridge community, which I really enjoy seeing our active um, father and dad and husband still be very prevalent in our community. Um, But then we also have our seniors that are active because they just can't sit down to save their lives. There is nothing they want to do that incorporates sitting down at a table. Those are our dancers, our... Um, many senior follies come over to our JBC and rehearse. They're they're singing, they're standing up, and um, in their ensemble circle, you know, doing all of their parts and harmony. And and then we've got a brand new tap dancing class exclusively for that senior citizen population. 
And if you've never adorned a pair of tap shoes before, I dare I am. Fritzy Wagner is our instructor. You get your um, dad to do it. Me and Paula both do it. Oh, oh, oh. That, that is a challenge, Greg. That is a challenge. Yeah. Um, but, but to learn something brand new in life, and that's what I do see many of our seniors um, well, you celebrated out. that this year on, in, in several events. I know one of them you honored one of the Amos the Wells. You're talking yes. about active. It's still very active in the community and very easy with active with Meals on Wheels and with church and a number of other organizations. Very, very brilliant guy, really. Yes, so, yes. And uh, he's been active down here. And I know y'all honored him as the Senior Citizen of the Year this year. We did. And Amos followed up that by... Um, I've had two surprise visits, and I love it. I know that Amos is at Meals on Wheels on Friday mornings because he'll pop his cute little head around the corner when we're teaching our over-easy exercise class. <laughs> and even though I'm in the middle of teaching class, you stop what you're doing when Amos Wells pops his head around the corner of, of the building. Gravitas. And, <laughs> and Amos has brought... Um, he's getting us geared up for our spring planning project le next year. And I love, you know, even our green thumb active adults have a place where they can come. And um, Amos has brought, oh, he's going he's gonna to beat me because I don't remember the, the second plant that he brought. But we are actually nursing them. And we have just mason jars full of Amos's um root that he wants us to establish the root here mm -hmm. and then next spring we will actually take this plant and multiply it out and i love that our plants end up for the most part going to the hospitals to visit and stay oh, in the rooms okay. of many of our right. seniors right. you know that are active but may end mm -hmm. up having an operation or you know there may be a death in the family and we use our repotted plants we have a recycling plant program here um, that Amos and a lot of our AARP seniors that are now meeting at the JBC. Do you see a lot of, I, I think I've noticed this, I mean, not everybody, but do you see a lot of of our older population begin to really embrace the gratitude about life and gratitude about what's going on? I mean, oh, most, most definitely. Um, and I actually, in thinking about gratitude, I love when you just open your eyes and observe people around you. Um, last night when I was at Food Lion picking up biscuits that my husband said we must have and they can only be found at Food Lion, um, Mr. B's. There are Mi Mary B's biscuits, but there are Mr. B's. Now everybody's going to go try to find Mr. Mr. B's. B's. What's so special about this? Um, this is a free ad for Mr. <laughs> B. Huh? They're just a thinner biscuit okay. that still is just homemade, but not as thick. They're frozen or something? As they are frozen biscuits. That's like Grandma used to make the thin biscuits. Yes, yeah. and the, and you just don't find them where they really are that thin but fluffy mm -hmm. biscuit. And Davis has found them and loves them. So I went and bought all the Mr. B's biscuits <laughs> for my husband last night. But I observed, um, she I bet she was in her 90s beautiful white hair that was shoulder length. She was a little curled over and she had her bag, her grocery bags, which they were all the brown bag. They were not the plastic bags. And I think that should be noted mm -hmm. that she preferred paper over plastic. Um, and she had the cutest little teenager redhead um, bag boy that mm -hmm. was beside her. And I walked, watched the two of these almost their whole shopping checkout experience. And to see that huge smile on her sweet little face as this young man poured into her and blessed her, 
Um, and I know she, in turn, did the exact same exchange for him. Um, there, there is such an appreciation for people, um, no matter your age. Um, if you show some interest and make eye contact and give that, I, I call it the most favorite of all exercises that everybody can do, no excuses. It's right finger to your right ear. Do it with me, Greg. Come on. Oh right finger, goodness. right ear. Let No, not in the ear, oh. at the ear lobe. And left finger, left ear. And you do an ear-to-ear -ear grin. Oh. Everybody can do an ear-to-ear -ear grin. And seniors are typically the first ones um, out and about. She was smiling, and that smile was reciprocated. She obviously has lived a life where she understands and appreciates gratitude and doesn't let go of that Kindness attitude. doesn't cost anything. Kindness no, is free. You can no. give all the kindness away you want, and it'll just keep filling back up. Yep, yep. Uh, absolutely. And then yesterday, my Williamston seniors, I can tell senior stories all day long um, because I do. I'm, I'm, you know, paid by the county to work with people who appreciate life and are not giving up on life. They are, you know, continuing to find a way to make a difference and to be active and to not slow down. Um, so because my, my husband is out of work again from his fall, he's just had reverse shoulder surgery um, and is beginning week three of his healing journey post-surgery and is doing wonderful but can't drive so yesterday he decided he needed that bargains trip to get out of the house and I was teaching our over easy exercise class with our Williamston seniors so I dropped Davis off at bargains get to um, Williamston seniors and end up teaching class and there's Miss Thelma that's in our Williamston senior class. And you just have to meet Miss Thelma. Beautiful, wonderful, incredible, lovely, lovely lady. And she was hearing me kind of complain that my husband's being a baby sometimes in this healing journey. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? Um, she said, is somebody going to pick up that husband of yours? And I said, well, I think so. She said, well, it better be you. If not, it's going to be me going to pick that boy up. <laughs> um, and she said, if you've got a good man, she said, I had a good man. My good man, um, in the end, would not sit as close to the table as he needed to, and crumbs would end up getting everywhere when he ate. Well, I held my tongue. I didn't complain and grumble about those crumbs I was picking up after that old man. And she said, you know, he's been dead and gone now, and I'd give anything to have that man back at the table dropping his crumbs because he didn't sit close enough to it. <laughs> you know, and to have the Miss Thelmas of our community, mm -hmm. um, you know, be so willing to share that advice. Um, that gratitude. She loved her husband. She she loved serving. She still loves serving today. Um, and most time it is through talk. It is through taking the time to open your mouth, to ask a few questions, to have a conversation, um, and then to follow up, you know, with that individual. And seniors are full of gratitude just waiting to pour out on others. Well, what about you, Kelly Joe? You've had a challenging year. You just mentioned he's still getting over the fall. Your husband's still getting over mm -hmm. the fall. How? What do you have got to be thankful for this year? What do you have to be thankful for? Uh, well, the fact that I am married to the same man 24 years later, um, that we were high school sweethearts, that we um, have fought in our marriage for our marriage, um, and it's not easy. You know, it, it is a battle, but it is so worth 
because I get stories like Miss Thelma and I can apply stories like Miss Thelma shares to my own life and marriage and be so thankful that I have a good man that I do want to go pick up at bargains and not leave him stranded for the Miss Thelmas to go pick up. And then our love together, you know, has created two amazing young men that we've worked very hard to raise up to be this next generation, to be ready to be world changers and to um, make a difference in their own homes first with their own faith, um, with the example that they set um, with those they're closest to, and then ultimately from those priorities, being able to branch out and have time that they just impact their community. So we um, do have our firstborn that is now married. So we've walked in into the next phase of life of becoming parents-in-law, and we have a beautiful daughter-in-law, Bethany, and um, learning how in this first year to truly let go and let that investment into your child develop and spread its wings and fly. And we're so proud of how Scooter is flying alone. We miss him. Um, I think there needs to be a, there's Mothers of Preschoolers group, you know, where you're able to deal (laughs) with all your preschool stuff. Now there needs to be a mom of, I call it MOGO because I only know boy life. I don't know girl life. But the Mogo Club, Mother of Groom Only, and ah. we need to be able to come together and and empathize and sympathize because letting go is hard. But letting go to know that there are activities that keep you and your spouse and keep yourself individually engaged and involved and in, in giving back always have a purpose. Well, you've, you've mentioned this to me before when we've talked, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... The things you're talking about with your family, you got from your parents. Oh, yeah. I mean, the idea of service, that soil was there tilled by them for you, and you're doing it for your kids. It's your yeah. mom and dad. And uh, so I know that's something. I know you miss your mom. I do. The sen- seniors, for those of you who don't know, the center's named after her. Yeah, yeah. And your dad, Paul's still giving back to the community after all these years, Paul yeah. Brown. So. Yeah. I just heard you did a great interview. We did. We had a great interview a couple of weeks ago. You can listen to any of the podcasts, AndersonObserver.com. The, the podcast is one of the links with news and other things. But, okay. Or you can, there's other places. You can get it on iTunes. Uh, you can get it in other places. Yeah. But, uh, um, I actually just, you know, for those that do a little bit of social media here and there, there's everything under the heavens and earth and stars and moons available at the, the fingertips. And I came across this just, just darling little poster that said, my mom taught me everything in life except how to live without her. And it, it, there is always a void. Um, you know, no one will ever be my mom to me. But in mom's death, I've realized that there are so many other moms that can pour into younger daughters. And I just hope that in my own motherhood that I'm able to pour out into some. Um, I'm very blessed to have a, a group at church, um, and most of them are special needs teenagers. Um, one of them is in a wheelchair, and she had told me earlier in the week when we were talking that she couldn't be at church on Wednesday night. Lo and behold, I walk around the corner, and there's this cute little doll baby in a wheelchair rolling up going, <gasps> supposed to surprise you. You're not supposed to know I'm here. Um, You know, and I just think of what mom instilled in me, you know, that uh, obviously other moms instilled in their daughters too, because um, there are so many fantastic ladies 
that are out there that are just doing life well. We just talked about Miss Phyllis in the courthouse. Where would mm -hmm. Rusty Burns be yeah. without Phyllis, without Angie, you know, without Jan and Rita? And I don't want to start naming names no, because no, every single out, yeah. one of the the ladies that the county, you know, employs are just phenomenal women in their own rights. And, um, you know, we're able, if, if we realize it, and, and I know that it's not, you know, serendipity every day, but if you truly realize it and carpe diem and live every day, um, and Tim McGraw said it, live like you're dying. We all are. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with your day? Well, I know your dad's proud of you, and he's grateful <laughs> to, for, to have watched you do the things you've done and get involved here. And I know if your mom would live, she would... We'd be doing it together. We'd be doing it together. Because she started we this, be and you're following her son. And like you are talking about being grateful for your kids, I know they're grateful that uh, this happened. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, and, Greg uh, and Anderson remind Observer. people what days you're open down here. And um, we actually have calendar of event Monday through Friday. Um, we do have a new Anderson County website that you can go yep. to. Go visit the website, and when you get into departments, look under Senior Citizens. Um, please know that it is a work in progress okay. and computer literacy. Mm -hmm. um, I probably make about a D minus in it now. Well, it's still working a little hard towards to find stuff. It's better than it was. But still, but it's still have hard a Facebook to navigate. Page? Um, I do. It's just under Kelly Barnwell. Okay. And we have an Instagram under Kelly Barnwell, but okay. then you can find Anderson. Go It'll to hashtag to it, yeah. Anderson County Senior Citizens Program. And right. we've got over 100 pictures in Instagram um, and on Facebook of just what our programming looks like. So we are activity driven. Each activity has a leader. Um, each, act, each leader makes that activity happen, and it happens very faithfully every day of the week. So Monday, we've got line dancing. Tuesday, we've got arts and crafts. Wednesday, we've got, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have bridge. Um, Fridays, we have over easy exercise. Um, I do teach um, senior citizen exercise as much as I possibly can all across the county. Um, with an ultimate dream of training others how to do what I do and making it duplicatable. So we have little senior exercise groups all over the place, not just at our Y, not just here, not just at our rec center, but I dream of it being in every church, you know, activity hall that we have, that right. we have our little senior groups. Well, I know when I came in, you were making Christmas ornaments and working yes. on that as a craft. So I guess yes. a tree will be up here next time I see it, you. We hope so. That, Put your tree up. Let's have Thanksgiving first. I'm one that <laughs> loves. Let's let's truly celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh. And then the day after Thanksgiving, let's put our Christmas up. Well, I know the folks in the county are thankful you're here and grateful Thank for you and the work you do. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. In case you missed it while we were talking there, you know, Kelly Joe is Paul Brown's daughter who we interviewed here on the podcast a few weeks ago. You can find it in our archives at andersonobserver.com under podcast. Uh, Kelly Joe picked up her mom's baton and has done an amazing job working with seniors. Anderson Seniors can also give thanks for another organization that has served Anderson for almost 40 years. In fact, they're celebrating 40 years next year. Meals on Wheels of Anderson is doing a great job serving more than 600 senior citizens a hot meal every day and providing meals for them for the weekends as well. We talked to Laurie Ashley, Director of Meals on Wheels, about their their gratitude for the year. Okay, it's almost Thanksgiving, and we're talking to Laurie Ashley down at Meals on Wheels of Anderson. And we're this is a gratitude show, Thanksgiving show. Everybody's thinking about what are we thankful for. What is Meals on Wheels of Anderson thankful for this year? Um, we're thankful that we have sent um, daily meals out 
throughout the year. Um, 600 a day, over that's 600 right. a day. That's right. We are thankful for all the many volunteers that help us. A lot of people probably don't realize we have over 450 volunteers. Um, we utilize about 70, 80 people a day that help us deliver meals. We have a small staff, so um, that, that takes a lot of effort for people to come in and help us out um, on a daily basis. And, and people don't help us out on a daily basis. We have lots of people who rotate out. Um, so I, didn't want to, I don't want to misconstrue people to think that you have to work, volunteer every day for us. Right. Um, but we are very thankful for all those people who do help us. We're thankful for donors. Um, obviously, we've talked about before that we don't receive any state or federal funding, so it is very important that think, people think of us when they're thinking about their contributions that they want to give to the community. And you have volunteers that just also help just put on fundraisers throughout the year, Yes, too. we do. Yes, we do. Um, we do three major fundraisers, and all of those are created by a committee of people outside of um, you know, staff and, and usual volunteers. Um, we do have some board members who... Um, help on those committees, but then we have some folks who are just volunteers for for fundraisers. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what are you thankful for this year, Lori? What's what's? You can just pick one thing that you know you are. You don't have to say one, but well, if it if it were related to Meals on Wheels, I'm very thankful for our staff. We have a wonderful group of people who are very dedicated and um, and love what they do, and it shows. So I am very thankful for that. Well, I know the community is thankful for Meals on Wheels because for 39 years, Meals yeah. on Wheels has been delivering meals to senior citizens. They get a hot meal five days a week and then food for the weekend, too. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, with the gratitude, let's also continue to remind people y'all are collecting uh, shelf life meals, things that don't have to be heated or refrigerated in case for the ice storms and bad weather this this winter so they can get one of those large Ziploc bags and put in granola bar, juice box, Right. And those kind of things and anything that can sit on the shelf and that, so if somebody has something to eat, if y'all get iced out one morning. Right. Absolutely. And we're thankful, too. We get to close on Thanksgiving Day, but we have already about 500 meals committed to um, the community, whether it's a church or an individual um, that's going to serve those meals. So there are only going to be a few of our folks that will get a frozen meal for that day. Right. Um, well, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. And we appreciate you being on throughout the year, reminding people what y'all are doing and all y'all are doing. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Again, another great place to volunteer if you've got a little time to give Meals on Wheels of Anderson down there on South Fant Street right across from the back of First Baptist Church. Can't miss it. They would love to have you. Anderson has experienced uh, sort of a, a, a newcomer who's brought a real new attitude that was much needed here in Anderson in the past year. It's been almost a year since Anderson welcomed the new director of the Chamber of Commerce, Pam Christopher, and in her short time here, she has helped return the chamber to a place that all businesses, members and even non-members, can go to for help and a real advocate for the community. Okay, we are talking to Pam Christopher of Anderson Chamber of Commerce, director of the Anderson Chamber. Is that correct? Is that the correct title? President and CEO. President and CEO. Okay. <laughs> Talk to so many people, so many titles. I should get that one right. That's President okay. and CEO, but you, you direct everything. <laughs> I'm one too. of the team members. That's a descriptive term. You direct everything, right? <laughs> You've been here now a little over a year. Yes, sir. And so we, we, I talked to you a couple months ago about uh, your first year, but we didn't talk specifically. This is a, we're continuing our theme of gratitude and thankfulness, and I just wonder, what does the chamber, what is the chamber grateful for this year in this community, and what do we have to be thankful for from you guys? Well, so many things. Um, I'm grateful for the leadership we have in this community, and I'm grateful for a strong team here. All of the staff members do a really great job. 
Um, but also on a personal note and a chamber note, I'm very thankful that we have so many people in our community that want to give back to others and help. Um, you know, we've got so many successes in all of our communities and many of our charities have just held their functions 25 years at AIM and they do great things. Meals on Wheels 40 next year. Absolutely, Meals on Wheels doing great things. Uh, Foothills, you know, just Clean Start. Talk to Tracy this morning. I could just talk about all of them. They do tremendous things. Barb Batista, you know, they just, and, you know, Carol at United Way, there's just so many programs Haven's here. Meal next week. Yes, yes. Just, you know, so many programs that help people and, you know, they're in those jobs I'm sure they can make more money doing other things, but they have a love for this community. So I'm so appreciative for those executive directors and presidents and CEOs that run those foundations, those organizations, because I don't know where we'd be without them. And it's pretty special. You've, you've been in other communities. It's unusual to see the kind of cooperative effort among nonprofits you see in Anderson. I mean, most places have lots of people doing good things, but sometimes it gets kind of competitive. You're absolutely right. And you know, we were, I have, I've been where I've seen the other side of it. And here we have something so special and they work with each other and they tout each other and you'll have you know one going oh well you can go to foothills for that or aim have you checked out their resources or you know or hospice or and you know they're all just recommending each other and that's so special and the people here that also volunteer and give their time and they don't do it for a pat on the back but i've just seen so many people in our leadership roles um, and everyday citizens giving their time, and it's so special because you don't always have that. So, um, very thankful for that. And you know, we also have, um, you know, someone who helps our veterans right here in our uh, in our um, in our chamber office. Uh, Ryan Hulan is here, the Upstate Warriors Group, and uh, he does just such a great job. And you know, we can't forget our veterans too. I'm very thankful for all our veterans because if it weren't for them. We wouldn't have the freedoms we all have today, and uh, we need to stop and think about them and how much they've done for us. But we've got so much to be thankful for. This community, um, the great service community we have, I mean, it's so nice to be able to have a, a, a community you live in where you can go shop and you know the shop owners, and you can see them at church, you can go to the grocery store, and you try to help each other. And, and you know, we just came out of a meeting with the city and the county, and um, I love how much they work together trying to see what can we do, what other future projects we need to look to, and what can we wrap our arms around and try to help the community move forward. And I'm glad that they're visionary. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's not just about having good leadership in your community, but it's having that good visionary leadership, and we definitely have it here. But um, Oh, and they love the community. It's not just they like the administration, they like the job, they love the community, they and they, they really like what they're doing, and that comes through. And it's part of, you know, we'll spend some more time talking about this with you when we launch, probably, we might get to it first year, but I'm gonna probably launch in December, the one local dollar, that, that, you know, the idea of, if the citizens of Anderson County, and we wanna ask, the thing that, that marks this different from almost any other thing is, um, we wanna ask everybody to give. The guy mm -hmm. that's living under the viaduct, and the person getting groceries for free at AIM, and the, I've already talked to Lori and Christy and everybody, the people that Meals on Wheels delivers to. Can you give a dollar a month? Because when you give back, you're engaged, and you get your name on the website as somebody who gave, and you all feel like you're pulling in together, and then you take it to the second level, which that directly impacts the second level, which is that one local dollar. And you know all the multipliers on spending a local dollar, what it means to spend one local dollar here and where that goes, as opposed to spending it at a big chain or driving somewhere else to spend it. 
And then, like you were talking about, the leaders who are visionary, Rusty and, and Burris Nelson, people I've talked to, they can sell a community that's united like that. Yeah. They can get out and say, listen, the, this community supports the people who can't help themselves. It supports those who have businesses, and this is the kind of place you want to live. That's a quality of life you're not going to find everywhere. Absolutely, and so. I love what you said because it so ties in, Craig, with what you were talking about. And, you know, it doesn't matter how much you have to give, but collectively what we can do, because individually we're all strong, but you put us together and, wow, it's, it's amazing what we can do. But And if we start with just the four that I've identified, uh, the four that, that, that we, you know, when I was working on this um, is, is AIM and Mills and Wheels and the Haven and Foothills. Foothills gets in there even though they're a little smaller because it's the most difficult thing to raise funds for. Makes people uncomfortable to talk about abuse. You can't, the victims can't get out and do commercials really, you know, the way other places can say, hey, they helped me, they did this. And they really, they're, you know, one bad season away from not being able to help people. They really need it. So uh, that was kind of how we, you know, identified that. But my point I was gonna say is if you could get 20% of the county, and I, don't, I think that's realistic, a 20%. Mm -hmm. The amount those four would get each year would top their best fundraiser. And it could be something they could plan for because you could almost plan for a perpetual 20% because that little amount, people might, here's my 12 for the year. And um, so uh, and I'm, I'm gonna talk together. to you some more about that at some point. But that, I think that's a big thing. Pulling through. And that leads me to the second thing is, uh, just from my conversations, and I know you're, you're on the ground with it all the time, people seem to be really grateful for the sort of the new direction and leadership at the chamber. They seem to be grateful that people, um, you know, feel a little more free and a little more comfortable calling the chamber now. Even people who aren't members have told me they've called them in the past, wouldn't even got a call through, much less help. And now people are saying, hey, you know, things are different. So that's something we're grateful for. Well, uh, you know, we're here to serve the community and that's everybody, mm -hmm. that's all the citizens. Um, you know, whether you're a citizen, you're a business, whether you're a member or not, um, uh, whether you're an organization leader, we're here to serve the service community, too, in our churches and organizations. So we're here for everybody. And if we aren't, we should leave. <laughs> right. So that's just the way I feel. I mean, you know, she, you know, check titles at the door. It's about helping people. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what I think, you know, really, what, I, what I've come into connection with in our community is people that do. Like you said, you can tell they genuinely care. They talk about what they're doing. You can see the passion in, in what they're saying. And that's that's everything. So I'm very thankful for that because you know what? I think coming from the outside too, um, I hope people here don't take it for granted because I can tell you coming from the outside and being in other communities, I see a world of difference here. And it's something that we should just so continue to honor, but cultivate and grow. And um, I think with ideas like you're saying, we can do so much for the service community. We can also do something and more things in our business community too. If we see businesses that are blighted and, and old tore down buildings where once there was livelihood and things that we can do to turn it around to make it so successful for this community, you know, we can't wait for um, someone to come and, and make those changes. But sometimes as leaders, we got to take hold of that and create what we want to see for the, for the future and for the vision ourselves. Um, we have to be in control of our destiny. And I think we can. And by working together, and like you're saying, doing that for our service community and helping them, but also in our community too, we'll, we'll see a stronghold. And I want to see us do great things, like you said, for people that are in need and our veterans that are in need that have given so much for us. Gosh, our police force is out there all day long and our firemen and our you know, first responders and people that do so much for us that we don't even think. But if we need them, they're there in a moment's notice and they're there for people every day. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for all of them. Well, and people, sometimes you start talking about these things, they get a little either confused or fatigued about the whole thing of giving or trying to. And I was talking to somebody about the local, and they said, well, I can't buy everything local. I said, I didn't say you had to buy everything local. I said, look there first, though, you know. Um, and if you want to spend, you know, lots of communities have talked about 25% as a starting place. So right. just commit that I'm going to spend 25% of my budget somewhere locally, you know. And it, it, it goes into your neighbors and to their children and your children, and it comes back. It's just You're such right. a big... Multiplier effect, yeah. But when people start buying into the... I can make small differences rather than just saying is this whole... The, the world is, has drifted towards a complete black and white view of everything, and that falls into that category. So people, you just kind of get into that mindset. And I'm trying to break people free of that. And I do think... We are a community that uh, advocates anybody doing anything good. That's the whole reason I started The Observer almost 10 years ago is to be on the side of anybody out there doing any good and try to help them tell that story because it's, it's what has always made this a, a special place and the thing that people are nostalgic for need to realize that's still here. It's just we've got a lot of other better things now too. I mean, if you had a senior citizen who was hungry at lunch 45 years ago, there was nobody bringing them a meal every day. If you had a family that needed groceries 26 years ago, there was nobody there to call and say, hey, can you help this family? Mm-hmm. So there's a huge progressive movement towards that here, and people are, some people are getting into it, and the ones who are will tell you is the best part of their life. Yes. The volunteerism, if you don't have money, give an hour a week to somebody. They'll, That's right. And if ever, again, again, the multiplier, if you give an hour a week in 20% of the county, that's 200,000 hours. I mean, that's sure. a lot of hours. To... How it makes you feel coming back. Absolutely. It's, it's, you get so much more than you give. Yeah. And, and, and is that feel good? Because you can see the difference it's making in your community. And that's what we're supposed to be, right? Difference makers? Right. <laughs> I think so. Was there anything personally you're grateful for this year that you want to talk about? I always throw that out. You don't have to, but if there is. Well, um, I'm grateful, and I truly mean that. I'm so grateful to be in Anderson. I absolutely love it here, and you know my my husband got a job here, and, and so I'm, I'm happy too. We're you know we're just so and our son just got married and married a beautiful lady, and so she's a, another Christopher, and and they're actually looking to locate here in Anderson. Oh, wonderful! So my son's on a job search to try to find something in Anderson. I'm hoping he does because he see and see that's the thing. What people know, he sees it and feels it when he comes here too. He knows uh, his mother-in-law knows people, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I don't have that much pull. But, uh, you know, I, I do hope he finds something here, and she does, you know. But right. they're, um, they feel the difference here, and they want to be here. And my oldest son uh, really would like to be here, too, but his girlfriend's in law school in Wisconsin. So we're hoping that maybe eventually they'll be down this way. But it is. It's um, cherish it. I hope everybody's listened to me cherish it because Anderson is so special. Mm-hmm. You know, when you just like tonight, hopefully a ton of people are going to go out to see the the, the ice skating ring, mm-hmm. right? Downtown, uh, the Red Synthetic Park. ice. We I had know. Bobby Bevel on the uh, podcast last week talking about how that all came to be and set up. And if, if, if you've heard the speakers, they were testing it Tuesday night. Really nice sound down there. And when it's not playing... When that Christmas music's not playing, Rusty's going to be Rusty Burns, the county administrator, is going to be pumping out of the clock tower. So we've got Christmas music beginning next week from then till Christmas. So. Which and it'll be fun that that synthetic ice you don't have to get wet. Yeah, mm. right. Mm-hmm. And it was so neat because they were here and uh, and the mayor was here, Linda McConnell was here, uh, Rusty Burns was here, Mike Gimbrell, They were all excited about it, and it was neat to see them all really excited about how many people it could bring and the excitement to see. You know, people here and our families here enjoying Anderson. And, 
you know, take it in because it's, it's something to be uh, cherished and loved and yeah. tell every, you know, tell everybody about your experiences in Anderson because we are, we are different. We are special. And we'll have our uh, uh, tree lighting a week from, two weeks from the day. Today's Friday, so this, this will actually run Thanksgiving week, so it'll be about a week and a half from when this runs. But, uh, so that's, that's and it's going to be our big new county tree that's going to be put up, the new tree we've ordered, and uh, we'll have an unboxing video of that at some point on That'll the observer when they get it. It's not arrived on site yet. We're right. working on it. we got that coming on. And people, looking back over the year, we've had, you know, local guys doing the fair again has really done a good job making it bigger and better every year and then of course celebrate anderson we had the the tour de france and uh freedom you know celebrate anderson weekend and then we of course had this big bluegrass festival that brought people in from all over the country all over the world actually there was an yeah. italian bluegrass band there yes so um it's been a busy busy year in terms of people coming to see what we've got to offer and it nice let's just all celebrate each other's successes so That's many true. great things going on and i do have to say I get to spend my family my uh, with my family for Thanksgiving this year, so that's we'll be able to spend it with all of them this year. So that's New so extended nice. family. That's right. That's wonderful. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to and you, And we appreciate Greg. what the Chamber's doing, and we'll catch up again soon. And I'm thankful for you. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming out and talking with us Great. and letting other people hear the stories of what's going on. Thanks. Appreciate it. And we do appreciate all Pam has done to help businesses work together this year. We also appreciate the leadership here in our area including the city of Anderson, especially our mayor, Terrence Roberts, who wanted to be sure to tell the folks here in the city of Anderson as well what he's thankful for this year. Okay, we're talking to Anderson Mayor Terrence Roberts. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Greg. How are you? I'm good. We're talking about gratitude, and we've talked to leaders all over the county. We've got a few more left to go, and we'll be done. This is for next week's Anderson Observer podcast. Um, and it's obviously Thanksgiving week, so we're talking about gratitude. And who better to tell us what the city of Anderson has to be grateful for over the past year than the mayor? Well, um, I appreciate you coming over. And, and there, are, there are a lot of things that I'm grateful for in regards to the city. I think the first thing that jumps out to me personally is for my council. We have, um, I have eight individuals who get the concept of being policymakers and working as a team. And I'm grateful that we we all like each other, and we don't always agree. Um, but when we do disagree, the the disagreement always ends, you know, um, at the vote or at the decision. And so I'm very thankful for our council, and and in that end, I'm thankful thankful for the 450 people, the full-time people that work for us, our city employees, the people on our team. They are, all of them do different things, but you know, the one common thing they have is that they want the city to do well and, and they're dedicated um, to making that happen. And with that, the, um, our employees who service, you know, nearly 30,000 people in our, in our boundaries, um, all of that wouldn't be possible for what they do. And we also, being the, the the county seat, the city, and, and we also have to service you know a lot of the people who live in our community in, in the county, and they come in touch with the city through um, parks and recreation and and, and and shopping and eating, and so um, um, without our employees and without people um, that are dedicated to that. Um, 
I'm thankful for that too. You've got some private citizens who've invested quite a bit of their own time and resources in the down in city of Anderson too, mm -hmm. that uh, really are, seem to be heading us in a good direction. We do, and sometimes um, um, we're just talking about that today, and and we should be grateful for the for the private investors, and you know from. Uh, and it's everybody that has a mom and pop shop, mm -hmm. number one. Um, and the people who live here, they get up every day and they, they invest their money in their, their stores, their restaurants, and so forth. But, you know, um, uh, Steve K has been um, a catalyst downtown. Mm -hmm. But also, um, we've had uh, the John Glens and mm -hmm. the Jeff Waters. Jeff Waters, yeah. And Cobb Oxford. Right. And, um, of course, Kerry Jones and all he Kerry does. Kerry Jones and Don Chapman, who's right. on council. Right. And you just have a lot of, lot of people who are doing a lot of good things. Uh, you know, and I also, you know, we also have been uh, blessed with um, uh, Dr. Thompson this year seeing all the things that happened in Ferguson, Missouri, and New York, and in other places with law enforcement and with um, the citizens. And, and she created her dream team that is talking about um, how, how do we, uh, how does the, the, our city police department interact with, with the public? And, and we've gotten, um, she's on that team, the city's got involved in her project. Um, and we have um, clergy that's involved in that project, and we taught the high school kids, and we we're just trying to figure out how we 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 get along, and 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 hope hopefully, um, and I do thank Greg that we have a a, a community that is um, very um, um, close knit in a, in a lot of senses. I mean, we 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 take care of our special needs community very well. And, uh, and and we get along, and so I think that's important. And it looks like I mean you mentioned that most of the ones, really all the big ones that are involved that are in the city. I mean AIM and Meals on Wheels and Haven Arrest and Good Neighbor Covered and Cancer Association and Foothills Alliance. They're all mm -hmm. part of the city. Yeah. And uh, you know the other thing is I was talking to somebody about you know you, you people want to digress into what used to be. I think we brought most of what we used to have that was good with us. And who would have believed 25 years ago the Calhoun would be full? Yeah. I mean, that things are changing and really progressing downtown. And there's a lot of, you know, yeah. things to be optimistic about. There have been a few missteps, but there have been a lot of really positive things going on, too. It has. I, I think that, and I say this a lot, too, I think sometimes we, when we live in a place like any community, sometimes it's hard for us to see the incremental progress. But, you know, when somebody comes into your community and they tell you, you know, guy, you got all this good stuff going on, you got this, you got that, sometimes it even makes people like me sit back and say, hmm, maybe we are doing a little bit better than we, have, than we are just because we, we, don't, we don't see it um, the way others see it sometimes. You know, sometimes we take for advantage some of the things that have happened. Right. But, but we have had, um, I really do think that over the last decade, that we've um, we have a synergy now that that people are, are working together, and it's not you know, and it's trying to maybe get away from too much of it's all about me, me, and me, and it's about us, mm -hmm. you know. I think 
there are um, uh, a number of um, the folks who've seen that. I lost my train of thought there while I was talking to you, but yeah, it, it, it has changed in a lot of ways, and I think there's uh, a lot of people who are really visionary toward the future now down downtown as well. Yeah, you know, and uh, in, in the city, we, we, you know, that part of government, you know, we're responsible for some of the infrastructure things, the Carolina imports, you know, you, you build a garage when you don't need a garage and, um, and, and sidewalks and just the beautification part of it. Um, Your rec center is a rec real center. amazing uh, yeah, success. I mean, if we had a known and uh, we would build it twice as big, but you know, I mean, but that's taken off and um, we've been able to keep the rates affordable. Uh, uh, all ages use it, and and so that's all been very positive. And you, you really, for the first time in in the last couple of years, you've finally been able to get together a fully staffed economic development team. It's taken a while coming, but now you've pretty much got the pieces of that puzzle together you need. And yeah, can and there's people forget how many buildings with good bones are downtown that are ready to do something. You know, I always, I've always thought those down there next to the railroad track would be a wonderful, have a little green oh, yeah. space running over to Carolina Rim Park down yeah. to, those buildings are in great, I mean, in, in mm -hmm. usable shape and restorable mm -hmm. shape. They're in mm -hmm. sound construction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and we've got some very unique features here in Anderson that other people don't, can't even create in other cities. That's true. I mean, um, when you look at, um, I mean, it is a historic downtown and, um, and the Board of Architecture Review says it will always be a historic downtown. And those are things that, that, that can't be duplicated. Uh, if I've um, heard Knox White and Green will say more than once that, you know, that they tore down all their old buildings. And guess what? You can't rebuild old buildings. Mm -hmm. And there's, a, there's, there's something special about Having that historic downtown, and it's a different feel. So I know there's um, some plans to bring the, the the fountain back downtown. That's a really major yeah. piece of art. That'll be a wonderful thing. It is. And there's going to be some real potential on that uh, the old Bales Building, Woolworth Building site to do some yeah. exciting things as well. It is. Uh, uh, Rusty Burns was telling me it's the first time they think uh, you know since the original founding of the county that that stretch of land reaching across behind the new courthouse. That one is belongs to the county, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, they used yeah. to kind of belong to some private citizens. Now it's yeah. all back in county hands. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. And that's that's pretty exciting. And uh, Steve Kay's event center is going to be oh, a that's going to be amazing. And uh, yeah. if you if you um, remember, you know, the city, um, we're we're going to to do parking in the um, the old Hess station. Right. And it's going to be public parking, not just for the event center. But I think it kind of anchors the South Main Street, and hopefully we'll have some pushback west of that. And so, you know, the whole idea of expanding downtown just so it's not north and South Main Street, but mm -hmm. going east and west. So but even South Main got some room to move down that way. Oh, no doubt right about there. it. There, I mean, no there's it's, it. uh, you know, we, actually some almost vacant lots down through there. Nearly. It is. So that's kind of a good place to it be. It is. So, uh, you know, uh, but you know. We, we have so much in this community to be grateful for. You know, we have good people. Uh, we have, um, uh, we're located on that stretch of interstate between Charlotte and Atlanta where, where people are um, attracted to this part of the country just because of its natural beauty, 
they're attracted to us because of our, uh, our entrepreneurial um, uh, energy that's going on right now um, and, and, and our workforce and education. So uh, AU, I mean, you know, who would ever thought that Anderson University would have doubled in size in the last 10 years. Right. And, um, and we see more and more AU students downtown and, and um, we had um, the, the ice skating rink opens tonight and um, they tried it out. And Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday. the sound was great. I watched and, them for a little bit yeah, right for a council and, and meeting down they there. Just, they just, they, they loved it, so um, very great. Well, you and I grew up here, and I think, by and large, folks are getting along better than they ever have and working yep. together more than they ever have. They're, like you mentioned earlier, people seem to be trying to move in the same direction. Even if we don't agree on everything, we're all moving forward in the same direction. That that wasn't true when you and I were growing up. No, no. There were a few people wanting no. to do this and a few people wanting to do that. Yeah, and, yeah. But we've... we've Keep kicking the ball down the field a little bit, and um, I will say that you know, and, and, and we'll go in that direction. And folks that don't want to go, we'll drag them with us until they they uh, want to join us. But you know, I mean, I guess everybody's not going to always agree on everything. But you know, by and large, I think we've got some good buy-in from. Well, that's how we figure it out. People yeah. bringing different things to the table. Anything big coming up next year? You want to mention? I mean, is there anything um, on your agenda? You've been planning for thinking about well i'm excited about the um uh affordable housing development right um behind the west side community center right uh, homes of hope 61 hills um over a three-year period they'll they'll have 60 or so homes over there and so that's long over. i'm glad yeah. we're getting that done yeah. that's gonna be so a good that really. takes uh and they do a um they're you know we've looked at things they've done in other parts of the state in And um, we'll start um, construction on the Church Street Heritage Park okay. behind uh, Mellow Mushroom. And right. That one will um, be a nice little pocket park that kind of um, um, those old Andersonians remember Church Street. Absolutely. The black businesses are on Church Street. And it was busy. So it was hopping down there all was. the time. And so we'll, we'll um, it'll be a, a place to honor that part of our history, but also a place again where it's, it's another green space where where, right. where people will um, be attracted to. So uh, really and truly, those are some of the, the bigger things. We'll continue to move forward with our um, bike and pedestrian um, trail plan this year, and hopefully um, get some 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 bike lanes open and start making those connections with bike paths. Uh, throughout the city so uh, and the idea to have it to go all the way from the Anmed campus on 81 to the Civic Center and then back down to Lindley and yeah that's sort of the yeah master plan yeah it? that'll be um, yeah to be able I think the, the east-west connector um, uh, although it, it touches parts of the city mm -hmm. but I think you know as much as it's used right now as soon as we can connect it to the Civic Center and Anmed's walking trail uh, that'll be a game changer too well, I guess finally I'm asking everybody this. Is there anything personally you want to say you're thankful for or anybody you want to express gratitude to this year that you hadn't already mentioned? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, obviously my family, uh, my kids. Um, I'm, uh, more, my mom was sick uh, last. I lost my dad a couple years ago, and mom was uh, um, sick, and she's in uh, remission from cancer. So very thankful to still have her. Uh, up and running, and, and she's um, feeling a lot better. Those of her know she's 
fussing and getting on us again. So she's feeling a whole lot better. So we're all grateful for her. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I appreciate you taking time, and we appreciate all you're doing for the city and have done for a long. How long have you been mayor now? Uh, almost ten years. Wow. Yeah. Man, time flies, doesn't it? it? Does. <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving. Thank folks. you. Appreciate Thank you, Greg. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. And of course, while Terrence leads the city, our old friend. Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns, who's been on the podcast several times in the past few months, leads this county, and under his leadership, people have forgotten since 2009, this county has grown more prosperous every year than at any other period, in, at least in, in the memory of most of us, and most of us have been around a long time. And we're really grateful for all that Rusty does, and also how much passion he has and how much he loves Anderson County. And we are talking to Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns, and we're talking about Thanksgiving, gratitude. Let's just start with what, this is kind of looking back, the year's almost over. What's the county have to be thankful for this year? If you're an Anderson County citizen, what should you be thankful for this I think year? The first thing you can be thankful for is the increasing number of jobs that are available to people in Anderson County. And jobs in the automotive sector, jobs in, in a electric, the electrical manufacturing sector, and be very thankful that they're more on the way. So that's one of the things we can be thankful for. Jobs that for. pay well, too. Jobs that pay well, and uh, jobs that have a career in front of them, not just something to do, and uh, so we're real happy about that. We're happy about everything that's happened at Green Pond. We're happy that we're making progress on the... Uh, Industrial Park, so that we can uh, hopefully encourage more people to locate in Anderson County. We're happy just about so many things in the county right now. I mean, just just seriously, just there's so many things going in the right direction. Well, you mentioned Green Pond. That's something that somebody asked me the other day, and I just I found it an odd question because I would have thought they'd know. Is, is it open to the public? I said, yeah. What are you, what are you asking? That's it, a public park. It, it belongs it to belongs, the public. Yeah, exactly. It, when you say the county, that means it belongs. That's to the, right. To the to the people, it belongs to all of us. Great dock out there. Yeah, and anybody can go out there, and we want everybody to and, go out there. This huge national fishing tournament. It really has. Now Anderson's already on the map, but it's put us on a new map. It's People knew us, we were here. I know that we've had tournaments here in the past, but we had to kind of scatter them out all over creation to get yes. them in the water and to get them. Now we've got one of the best freshwater launches anywhere in the country. Anywhere in the country, and, and as you and I have talked before, we're going to keep adding to it. And uh, just, I mean, I'm excited about our uh, neighborhood improvement program that we're going to be able to take out around 60, 70, you know, doing the NIP program plus the money that council puts in there. I'm very happy about that because that's an immediate impact in people's neighborhoods. It removes eyesores. It removes crack houses. It helps neighborhoods regenerate, gives them a start. And I'll be happy when we uh, can return that land to the tax rolls and people can use it and, and build homes there. So we're happy about that. I'm real happy that we're... Uh, getting ready to kick off our brownfields work uh, at an even, even higher level. We've got projects that are going to be going on in Pelzer, and we're happy about that, and Toxaway and Equinox and things like that, so we're happy about that. Uh, we're excited about all the new commercial activity that is taking place in Anderson County, and I don't even think that we've seen it yet. I think you're going to see some more stores come in. Uh, I think one of the things we're happy about is uh, Councilman Francis Crowder has come up with this idea, which I think is wonderful, that we're going to have uh, declare December Shop Local Month to 
take care of our local merchants and uh, our local industries and encourage everybody to keep as much money as you can in Anderson County with your friends and neighbors. So it just creates a circle where we just send that dollar around to everybody. And everybody one local gets dollar. That. Yep. That's it. One local dollar hitting another local person. They're going to spend it with another local person. So I think, hey, we're real happy about this year. Uh, I just, our budget process went pretty smooth this year. Our budget process went very smooth. No tax increase. Hadn't right. been a tax increase here in seven years. But yet our revenues are increasing, and uh, that has to do with new jobs coming in, which allows people to buy new cars and allows people to buy houses and allows those what I call dead subdivisions to come back to life. I mean, we had a, a zoning hearing at council the other night, okay? You were there, yep. okay? And you heard one person get up and said that they had moved from Asheville, which is quite a lovely place. It is. I was going to say, I was surprised to hear that. And they said they moved to Anderson County, and Green Pond was one of the reasons they moved here. You heard that. I did. And then there was another couple there, and they said that they had just moved to Anderson County and found it absolutely wonderful. Naturally, we want to take care of the home folks, people born here, but we love to have new people come in here because, you know, there's... There's no uh, love like the love of a convert. You That's know right. what I'm saying? I mean, they just really, they can look at it with fresh eyes. And sometimes I don't think we see really how good we have it and what a good location we are. Do we have a lot of work to do? We have tons and tons and tons of work to do. Uh, I will be thankful if that trial that's occurring across the street today, if we get custody of those animals, mm -hmm. because the fine people who work out at our animal shelter are under tremendous pressure. And I can't help what anybody says, you know, some people say, well, those are evil people at the shelter. They're not evil people. No. They care. It's just it breaks out there. their hearts. And there's, even with all that pressure, they're still reducing the number of, of, of animals that are being put down, yep. and they're still increasing the adoptions, and you've got a, a new person in charge of adoptions out there who loves animals as much as anybody I've ever seen, and has a very unusual skill in that she's organized, and a lot of people love animals, but can't do that job. Right. I mean, that's not just a job because you love puppies. No. you got to know what you're doing. She's got a lot of good ideas. I'm going to have her on a, a future podcast here soon because she's got a lot of really innovative ideas. But The other thing you've been bragging on about all year because you've been on a podcast several times this year is uh, Anderson County employees, and I think it never kind of came out more in a, in a more tangible way than uh, our emergency preparedness division kind of mobilizing Anderson, all of Anderson County employees, not just folks in the in emergency preparedness to help in the floods in the state. Because we we have always had a model program. I think people forget about it. They, if you have a group that doesn't show up unless there's a disaster, if there's no disaster, you forget about them. Correct. But boy, when one happens, we're the first people everybody calls. We're the first people everybody calls. And we go down there and assume leadership positions because we know what we're doing. And the other thing, you don't see them, but they're out meeting with the school districts, okay? They're out meeting with the school districts preparing emergency plans at every school. Right. And they're doing this all the time. We had a bomb scare at the new courthouse. The new courthouse is 25 years old, right. but it's still the new right. courthouse. Right. That was this week, yep. And, uh, you know, our people were there. Our bomb people were there. We don't have to call somebody to send in bomb dogs. We do that here. Right. And... Uh, and because of that, we said, hmm, you know, this worked well, but we need to have a special session, an updated session with all the employees in the new courthouse about what to do in an emergency. Now, <clears throat> with all the things going on in the world, we're still in the lead. 
in emergency preparedness, but we need to even be sharper in this day and time. I'm excited about some of the things going on at the Anderson County Airport. I mean, Before you get to the airport, though, I do want to mention, um, I don't think people realize, even though there were a few stories reported that, uh, and I can't mention everybody's name, obviously, but, you know, Taylor Jones kind of keeps that thing mm -hmm. on the cutting edge, he and Matthew Littleton, mm -hmm. some of those guys. But we had Anderson County employees in places people wouldn't think about the assessor's office people who left their families in anderson and went down and spent some uncomfortable weeks in flood places where mm -hmm. it wasn't fun and no it wasn't fun in some of those places in the lower part of the state we weren't all just in columbia handing out water and handing out doing, well, doing, basically, doing a lot of grunt work not just going in somewhere to check things out yeah some of them sitting in the headquarters for the whole state okay but other ones out handing out water termite everybody knows termite who runs the farmer's market and does everything else okay he was out handing out water in the lower part of Richland County, which right. can be pretty hot. rough, hot, nasty, and sandy and everything. That's when the weather's good. <laughs> yeah, and that's when the weather's good. <laughs> so we're happy about that. And uh, You're talking about the airport. Is the growth at the and airport? And the airport. I mean, when I, I went out there about, about four weeks ago when there were six corporate jets sitting on the, on, on the uh, tarmac. Now, that's pretty doggone cool. One of them was first quality. One of them was TTI. Uh, another one was, uh, I can't, uh, two of them were TTI, and the other ones were corporate jets, and that, you know, that's pretty awesome. And you know how we make our money at the airport. That airport is run, and it doesn't cost us money, it makes money, but it's run primarily off of jet fuel. And last month, we sold 15,000 gallons of jet fuel. That's a good month, and that allows us to put more money back into the airport. Uh, in we're fixing to take care of those two eyesores behind the old courthouse, the old Bells building. We're not, although the bids for the demolition go out today, right. we're not going to take it down until after the holidays. After the holidays, so as not to interfere with what the city's doing and over what there. And what we're doing. And what we're doing. But I will tell you what, I'm very happy to see what they've done over at Wren Park with that skating. We got a sneak peek after the council meeting. You were here. Right. When we walked out. And I really thought it looked like a mini Rockefeller Center. And the music was playing. And the music was playing. It was decorated. And, and, I, and that's going to open up Friday night tonight, so that ought to be awesome. Now, after we, we do the demolition back here, uh, somebody asked me, an old Anderson person, is, is the new building going to have an escalator? <laughs> well, <laughs> like I, the Bales building. <laughs> look, I loved escalators when I was little as much as anybody, okay? So I don't know whether that's well, going to happen. And that does bring us into something else, that we're heading into a holiday season with Christmas coming, and we've got the tree that we really needed to get. Yep. Um, you know, I understand it was uh, kind of spearheaded by our new administrator. You know, we've got a new administrator who, uh, <laughs> who was, we had a temporary administrator there for a number of years. Now we've got a new full-time administrator. Yeah. And I don't know what the difference is, but, you know. <laughs> you haven't noticed any difference. I haven't noticed any hours difference. Or, yeah. that, that interim guy was, he was getting worn out, so I got a new one, and he's full of uh So he got some new and vinegar. But anyway, we got the tree, and is, it, it should be going up next week. Uh, yes. Hopefully, is it here from Alabama? We got uh, It's not here still, yet. It's a slow tree getting here. It is a slow tree. I think they're uh, sending it through Canada to get a little frosting on it. <laughs> before it gets done. <laughs> and we're doing some upgrades out at the Civic Center, bringing that into the new age, and hopefully we're getting closer to the television station. We've got wiring and technical things to do on that, so mm -hmm. just a lot of good things going on. And a lot of wonderful things going on around the county. Right. I mean, you see what's happening with our Brownfields Initiative in Pelzer. Pelzer's now twice the size it was. That Pendleton is looking to expand in the county and the private developer in Pendleton have been working hard on that. 
new nursing home coming into Honey a Path. Uh, just things, good things happening everywhere, and we just need to keep this momentum going. And for all the, the people when they get all nostalgic, there's really never been a better time to be a part of Anderson. My family's been here for generation after generation, and this is the brightest things have looked here, looking ahead that we that I can ever remember. And, and, and coming I, out of a recession, that's a pretty big deal. But we were still recruiting industry in the bottom of the depression, as I call it. It's because of the work. I mean, the, I mean I'm mean, i saying we're, we're moving ahead because people are working hard behind the scenes to make that but, work. But we have so many good people who work for Anderson County that make it possible. And you have people who care. And you got a lot of people who were born here. Right. And they don't, they don't sell because they're getting a paycheck. Naturally, they, they like to eat so they get a paycheck, but they sell from the heart. You can never beat somebody selling from the heart or selling something they believe in. Because right. we're getting fr our friends and neighbors' jobs. We're getting their kids' jobs. And those who are still struggling, all of our, we've had a few good weekends in a row, all of our agencies, uh, AIM and Meals on Wheels and the Havens Fixing to Do the Big Thing are taking care of the folks who are still falling through the cracks and pulling together and volunteers are helping with that. And, and one of the things that we're really excited about is the new changes coming in job training. And we're excited about the new industrial training high school, the District 4, 5, and 3 are doing. That's going to be a big, big deal, a really big deal. And uh, when you couple that with the uh, Industrial Park Training Center from Tri-County Tech that will be on site there. It will be on site there. So, I mean, there's just so many things that are going on that you can actually begin your uh, technical education in high school, get a year of it under your belt, go one more year and jump out and make fifty-five dollars or $60,000. Come on. Well, it's great to be a part of Anderson. Is there anything going on before the end of the year people need to keep in mind? Uh... No, but I'm sure something will will, will <laughs> we, happen we before the end of the day. We're going to have our big tree up. And We're going to have our big and you're gonna tree up. When they're not playing music for ice skating, you're going to pipe music out of the Absolutely. clock tower again? Absolutely. So you're a Absolutely. Christmas guy like I am. Yes, and, uh, and, you know, we'll have the Christmas tree on the square. But last year, for the first time, we put up a Christmas tree out at the Civic Center up on up on the Bloom launch field right. that people like a whole lot. And this year, of course, the Christmas time, parade's out there, too. we got a Christmas the, parade out there, the too. The Anderson County Irregular Christmas Irre Parade. Yeah, sort of our place. version of Denver Downs Parade. Yep. And then, uh, for the first time, we're going to have Christmas tree at Broadway Lake. No, I didn't know that, so that's so, true. So, uh, and first, yeah. ne looking into next year, the only thing I wanted to mention was there hopefully is a tentative plan to get our historic uh, fountain back downtown. Absolutely. I just think that we need that back where people, people can see People haven't seen it. that thing or have forgotten how amazing it is. It is an intricate piece of art. Yeah. And tonight uh, they're having the grand opening, the big reveal of the uh, exhibit at the museum tonight, which I hope everybody will go and see. About three weeks ago, I had to go to Columbia. My wife had to take a class. So I had the morning, so I love museums. So right. I went to the State Museum and, and did it from top to bottom. Right. I swear to you, the quality. We don't have as many exhibits as right. they have, but the quality of our exhibits at the Anderson County Museum will rival anybody's well, anywhere. Well, you, people will, by the time they hear this, the Friday night reception, but the Roots of History expansion will be going, will on. Be going on for some time. So you can go out and see it. I have just, I can just tell you, as someone who's just photographed every single exhibit in the museum, it is an amazing variety, and it will bring back a lot of memories to a lot of people. And it's interesting because when I was out there, uh, one of the old desks that had been to the, in the education exhibit, uh, the woman who donated it was from New York or somewhere, was down here looking at it. So we got stuff from all over that's part of our history that was from here, mm -hmm. from people from all over, didn't even know what they had and found out and donated it to the museum. So, so it's, just, it's well, just wonderful. 
You got anything else you want to say you're thankful for on this Thanksgiving week? Well, one of the things I'm thankful for is working with the CVB and Neil over at the CVB, who's doing a remarkable job. Tell them what CVB job. is, because some people Convention and Visitor okay. Center Bureau. Their job is to bring in fishing right. tournaments, help us uh, to market Anderson County, to make people aware of the whole county, not just Anderson. But uh, they're going to be launching an effort to make sure that when anybody thinks of Lake Hartwell, they think of Anderson. Right. Not not Stevens County or Hart County. Whenever you think of Lake Hartwell, the only thing you think of is I got to go to Anderson to see Lake Hartwell. And people don't appreciate, I don't think, sometimes when they see, they come to celebrate Anderson or this year's Bluegrass Festival or Balloons Over Anderson or the Anderson County Fair, which a local guy has taken upon himself to yep. bring and done a great job. A Everybody I've job. talked to, it's gotten better every year yes. that that's all part of our Convention and Visitors Bureau and the Civic Center and what it's doing for the county. So, um, and uh, and Mr. Dunn made a great remark the other day. You know, we had uh, the fireman who passed away. And, and that gentleman, Mr. McCullough, had done a lot for a whole lot of people for free. Right. I mean, you know, he just had a big heart, and, and he did everything he could. And because of the crowd, we had that funeral at the Civic Center. We were happy to do it. Does that make any money? No. Right. Is that better than money? Absolutely, all day long. And, and it pays out in ways that eventually turn back into money because people will so see thing, what we're doing here. Is, that is Anderson County Central Park. Right. When it was done, when we built the Civic Center, low those many years ago, the idea was to turn that whole place into Central Park, and that's what it's going to become. And when you've got a, a, a team from a business in Germany and they see the community reaching out to each other and working together towards things, that has to have a positive impact on. And, and it does, and I'll tell you another thing, just a little... Shout out to Carrie Jones, you know. Mm -hmm. We've had industries that we've entertained on two separate Thursday nights, two separate industries, okay? Right. What do you have going on in Anderson? <laughs> and you walk out and the block party's going on. That's important. It's a labor of love from Carrie too. It, oh, I mean, he gives his heart and soul to it. But there are two industries here. I won't say it was the defining thing, but it played a big part in it because, look, they're all out there having a good time. And you mentioned old Anderson carries that. You know, his dad was a decorated war hero. Absolutely. Great story. Mm -hmm. And he takes really good care of his dad. Yes, and he, he takes does. really good care of that project. And yes, then he, he keeps does. his job going so he can pay to do all this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's people like that that, you know, make this place different than going into a bigger city or a yep. place that doesn't have still have roots and remembering we've taken the good of what we had 60, 70 years ago and brought it in with the, the good of what we got now. And it's, it's a great place. That's... Uh, people are missing that, then they're missing something this Thanksgiving to be grateful for. Well, it's easy to start nitpicking, yep. but uh, it's not the nitpickers who are going to take us to the next place and make this a better place. So, so that's what it's all about. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Rust. Same to you. Appreciate it, and we'll chat again. All right, buddy. Thanks. It is almost impossible to keep up with all the project Rusty's involved in, uh, just as it's equally difficult to keep up with all the things that Christy King Brock is doing at AIM. After 25 years... Uh, Christie's been there the entire time, was the main founder of AIM. AIM continues to be the hub of a variety of charitable work going on in Anderson that so many people have benefited from and so many people are a part of. And we're continuing to talk about gratitude, and it's Thanksgiving week, and I'm going to talk to Christy about what's going on at AIM. I know you just had celebrated 25 years, and I know a lot of people talked about how grateful they were for what y'all have done. So what are you grateful for for this happened with AIM over the past year. You know, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the volunteers, the staff, the donors that we have um, that have supported us over 25 years. Um, and 
you know, I just send an email out to my staff telling them how grateful I am to have the kind of team that I have that, you know, we don't pay a lot here. Um, the yeah, people, people don't come to work here for the money, right? No. Um, in fact, uh, two recent, well, three recent hires uh, have literally taken pay cuts to come to work here. And I think that speaks to the kind of place we are. Um, it's a place where people are here because they're passionate about serving Christ through the work that we do here at AIM. And uh, I'm just so grateful for to, that I'm surrounded uh, by those kind of folks. Um, thankful for the volunteers who give selflessly to be a part of this ministry and, and to serve, again, Christ through the work that we do here at AIM. Uh, thankful for people that are willing to share their stories. Uh, people that have been served through AIM and are willing to share their stories. Uh, volunteers that have been touched by the work here and are willing to tell their stories about why they donate, why they're a part of this ministry. Um, just so many reasons to be to be grateful and to be thankful for the work um, that we're able to do here. I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful that uh, God qualifies the called instead of calls the qualified uh, because I wouldn't do this work uh, had, he, had he done it the other way. Um, so, well, 25 years, and I know you reflected a lot on it as you're getting ready for the big celebration a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's a lot of uh, folks, I'm sure, have been a big part of making this last 25 years. Yeah. And you just mentioned the donors and volunteers, and you know, some of them lost, are not with us anymore. Yeah, it's just going to go that way. Yeah. We lost one of our founding fathers the Saturday before the event. And um, fortunately, one of my former board members, Eddie Kinsey, uh, who is, has a real passion for this work and loves AIM, um, took it upon himself to go to the mayor and ask if we could do a proclamation at the event and call it Buck Buchanan Day. And Eddie made that happen for us. And that was very special to be able to recognize somebody who had spent so much of his life invested in AIM. And had he still been here, he would have done everything to be a part of that celebration. So he was a very special part of that celebration. Well, I know the community is grateful for Amon because it, it, it took over a need that was not being handled very well. I mean, 25 years ago, there were people that weren't getting helped at all, and then there were people who were working the system to try to get helped by everybody and leaving other people unhelped. And so essentially the churches got together and decided we need a central place. And I know... Um, that, you know, there's some gratitude for some of the churches who continue to support. We certainly could be more grateful for churches with support, eh? Mm -hmm. You can't say that, but I can. <laughs> and uh, it just, I think what you're talking about stories, you hear so many people when AIM comes up in a conversation, they either were helped or they know somebody that was helped by AIM. You know, I really think, Greg, and especially been reflecting on it over the last year as we were getting ready for the celebration, but I, I guarantee you there's probably less than two degrees of separation um, with AIM and somebody in Anderson County. Uh, either um, they've been helped, a family member, a friend, um, or they've volunteered, or a family member, a friend, uh, or their church supports us. I mean, there's an intersection of AIM with most people in Anderson County. But I am amazed at the people that still don't know about AIM. It is amazing. Uh, I, I don't, surely they haven't lived here very long, is what I'm thinking, or they have you know had a stroke or something <laughs> well but i know the other thing that i think is a testimony to what y'all have done here is somebody will say hey you know they know somebody through some work situation second degree situation this needs some help the first thing i almost always hear people say if you call me 
I mean, y'all seem to be like the 911 that if, you know, somebody's got a problem that they check with you guys first. Now, I know y'all serve as a clearinghouse for other agencies too. You can say, you know, hey, you know, you might want to, we don't deliver meals every day to senior citizens, but we'll give you a number of somebody does, you know? Yeah, yeah. we do that. In fact, I laugh because, uh, Greg, probably 20 plus years ago, uh, I used to get phone calls from the hospital social work department. And uh, Lisa Gillespie, who is now the uh, area supervisor for Vogue Rehab, I followed her through several different places and started out, Lisa, as a social worker at AMED. And uh, they used to laugh and say, well, we knew if you didn't do it, you knew who did. And so we were the first phone call that those social workers made uh, was here to aim. Well, that, that also kind of brings to, and somebody else I think mentioned this, I've had so many people so full of gratitude this week, it is, that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have been in places where it was unheard of for groups who were trying to serve the community to work together. That everybody was getting to a competition, even though they were all trying to do good things and weren't doing, trying to do anything bad but that was very competitive rather than cooperative. And uh, you've watched for 25 years, uh, I guess the, the, the three, three of the most active certainly over those, that time have been you guys and Mills and Wills and Haven have all been here, probably the only ones who have been here anywhere near that amount of time. And from everybody I've talked to, it's just always been just the smoothest transition and sharing. And yeah, we work very, very closely. Now, I will tell you that 25 years ago, that wasn't the case. Right. And I have watched this community transform and really look at more of a, a, a generosity approach uh, than a scarcity approach, that if we work together, there's plenty out there in, instead of uh, we're going to be competing for the same dollar. How we're looking at it is how can we work together to maximize the resources that we have in the community? And I think we've done a good job. In fact, I was um, with uh, my program director for Sisters of Charity, and her comment was, if uh, the rest of the state, the Midlands and the Low Country, could get it together like you guys in the upstate have and start working together, this state would be in a better place. Wow. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of unusual for us to hear that the upstate's kind of leading the charge. But I think Anderson's leading the charge. Let's, we we let's, really are. I mean, I'm not going to slam the other up parts of the upstate, but I think Anderson is sort of the shining light on that. Well, I have to tell you, I felt like I had really arrived. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I went and spoke on a panel at the Greenville United Way mm. uh, on collaborations and partnerships and collective impact. And, of course, I was the only Anderson person. The rest of the folks were from Greenville. But I thought, whew, you know, we've arrived when Anderson gets an invitation to Greenville um, to go and talk about partnerships. So I think you're right. I think we've really done a good job of, of removing that fear of competition and really looking at how do we work together, guys, to make this place a better better place to live? Because ultimately, Greg, it shouldn't be about AIM or the Haven of Rest or Meals on Wheels or any of those other organizations. It should be about how do we work together to address that social issue that we have in this community. And I know this time of year particularly, y'all are meeting the needs of a lot of people who, if you have a need this time of year, it's magnified. You know, everybody's fixed to have a huge Thanksgiving meal. You've got nothing, you know. Uh, everybody's planning for their kids' Christmas. You can't do that. Um, so the, the the level of gratitude, I've heard people talk about, you know, hey, my kids wouldn't have had Christmas if I for AIM last year, or we wouldn't have had Thanksgiving if we, AIM hadn't given us a basket of food for Thanksgiving. Uh, so I think it's how it's supposed to work, that, you know, we're grateful to be able to serve the community and, and 
the gift is always in the service. People that don't do that don't get it. That's right. Uh, can't out give God too. I mean, no, you can't. And I think there's something that resonates within us all when we're doing something for somebody else that nothing else can touch, can cause. There's nothing else in our whole psyche that can resonate the way that does. And well, you know, we found that with our Women and Children Succeeding program, part of that program is for every $100 we invest, you give an hour of community service. And what we found, you know, when they first started doing it, they did it kicking and screaming. You, you really think I've got time to volunteer. I'm a single mom. I've got kids. I'm going to school. I'm working part-time. And we said, yeah, find a way. And ultimately what happened is that built their self-esteem because they realized they had value. They had something to give. And I think that's one of the reasons that you see many of our graduates uh, recognized as top leaders in this community. And I think it's not just, and the women and children is certainly a national model. But a lot of your other programs, uh, people don't think about it, are aimed at helping people realize that they can be empowered to have something better. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if if you've not grown up without a con- it's a foreign concept to you. I mean, it does seem completely foreign if you tell them, hey, no, you can do this. Nobody's ever told them that before. Right. It's giving that hope and, mm-hmm. and encouraging them and helping them dream the dream and set the goals and knowing that somebody's uh, supporting them and achieving those goals. What about you? What are you thankful for this year? You've had a very big year, haven't you? I've had a big year. I'm thankful for opportunities. I'm thankful for people that I know support me 100%. Um, you know, you go through life and you find those folks that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they got your back and they're there to support you. And Greg, I'm very, very thankful for my family. Um, my brother-in-law is in Hawaii and he'll be home. Uh, he's a, a two-star general and um, so he's been in Hawaii, but he'll be back home in July. And my husband's family has just really embraced me and, and made me feel so loved and so welcomed and such a part of that family and, and you realize just how important. My children are both in California now. Um, so it really, you know, you, you get homesick, especially this time of year. Both my kids are in the retail industry and will not be able to come home right. for Thanksgiving or Christmas. They'll never be able to come home at that time. Um, Mike's girls are here and uh, grateful that we went and watched Meredith ride in her last show. She's a senior at Lander and she was on the equestrian team. Hmm. And we went down Sunday and watched her ride and uh, walked away with uh, two blue ribbons, uh, placed first in both of the competitions that she rode in. Um, And uh, Mike's baby is a sophomore at um, Converse College. And so all the kids, I'm thankful that all the kids are are finding their own way and um, just for family. Family, friends, and the opportunities that I've had to serve God. Yeah, and I think as we, you know, get a little age on us, I've got more age on me than you do, but you start to see those kind of things in such a clearer light. The things you took for granted before mm-hmm. become so much. Now, how can people, let's let's turn it a little bit. How can people show gratitude for what you guys do between now and the end of the year? They can write a big check. Right. <laughs> uh, Can't have too many zeros, can you? No, we are, yeah. are a certified CDC, right. um, which means we're a certified community development corporation. We're certified through the State Chamber of Commerce because we are, are working to improve the lives of low-wealth families. So we as a state benefit if we can move people out of poverty, and mm-hmm. so that's why we receive that designation. And so what that means is anybody that donates to us gets a 33% state tax credit. So in addition to the deduction, you also are eligible for the state tax credit. And that goes right off your bottom line um, of your state liability. So So instead of owing the state a bunch of money. Give it to AIM. Right. We can do good with it. 
What else can people give between now and Christmas? I mean, are you got still just have families, I'm guessing, that need? We, we do still have families um, for Christmas. And one of the things um, that somebody just brought to my attention, we have 27 women in our Women and Children Succeeding program. And, you know, Christmas really is geared toward children, and, and we focus that way. But we really do want to recognize those women who are working so hard and not just give to their kids, which the kids will be taken care of, but um, gift cards for them. Um, you know, maybe it be uh, an Ulta gift card or a... Uh, Merle Norman gift card, something where they can do something for themselves. Yeah, because they'll spend it on their kids. Exactly, right. exactly. They're the kind of moms that'll take that Target gift card or that Walmart gift card and go buy something for the kids. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, even a meal out or movie tickets or, you know, just something that's a nice little treat for those 27 women. We're looking for some of those kind of things. So they can contact you guys here just... Mm -hmm. Need a call? Um, Amy Hoyes is my staff person. We actually have a volunteer that's headed up um, the Christmas program, but Amy Hoyes is my staff person that's kind of overseeing the Christmas program. Um, so any gift cards, uh, anything like that. The other thing that we always find difficulty is having things for older children. And, you know, we do say under 12, but let's face it, Greg, if you've got a 15-year-old kid mm -hmm. in a house with a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, right. we're not going to not give that 15-year-old right. something. And those are harder, so mm -hmm. um, things for teenagers or gift cards are always good for teenagers. Right. So those are the kind of And things. if you're listening to this podcast, you're already online, so you can go to the Facebook page is the quickest way or aimcharity.org, and you can, you can donate money there or you can find out how to get in touch to the other stuff there right exactly and you know again um we were supplied with all the turkeys that we needed we have people pre-sign up and uh just to kind of give you an idea of what happens here at aim um i was in columbia last thursday and got a call from the pantry and they said we're 60 turkeys shy of being able to fill all of our orders um, that they had taken pre pre applications for and they said what do you want us to do and i said well you know, if you feel that you need to go ahead and buy them, go ahead. But I guarantee you, we'll get them delivered. So if you can wait until Friday afternoon, then go buy what you're going to need for Monday. Well, needless to say, by Friday afternoon, they had filled every order. Tell them what the had. orders are. So a lot of people don't know this. Again, well, you're talking about people don't know about AIM. They don't know yeah, about this. We um, have people pre-sign up for Thanksgiving boxes mm -hmm. um, that we do. And again, that goes and shows the partnership between us and Haven of Rest because New Spring had a huge turkey drive and, and the trimmings. And we got a lot of the trimmings, but the Haven got the turkeys. And so the Haven brought us a whole bunch of turkeys that they did not need. So it truly is that sharing. Um, but it's a turkey with the trimming so that the family has what they need to cook that Thanksgiving meal that your family will go out and buy and my family will go out and buy. Right. And I think that's important that a lot of people, you guys have always been very accountable to the people you help. You're not, you don't want to just hand things out. You really want to help people. And that doesn't mean you have lots of paperwork and you make it hard for people who are downtrodden to get help. But, uh, we want to help people help themselves. Right. Because when you don't, Greg, that goes into that toxic charity. When you just mm -hmm. do an open-hand approach and you don't hold those people accountable, then have we hurt or have we helped? Well, I hope this year picks up. December makes it good for the whole year. And um, reminding everybody that by first of the year, hopefully we'll have our one local dollar launched and that you guys are a big part of that. And we'll make sure that, uh, you know, I, I did the math. I think if 20% of the county, that's a small number mm -hmm. of people in the county, if just 20% of the county would give $1 
we're still looking at close to $400,000 a year. Wow. You know? that, would, that would be a huge help to us. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you guys get a, a piece of that, and it, it would be as big as any fundraiser, I was thinking. I was trying to do the math on all y'all's big fundraisers and to see if you could, that would at least cover one the major fundraiser without you having to do anything. Yeah. And hopefully it'll be sustainable because we want, like you were saying, we want everybody involved. Yeah. We want the people that you're helping involved. We want the people that Mills on Wheels are taking meals to involved. I want to be able to walk down there to the viaduct and ask those guys for 50 cents or a dollar to help their brothers and sisters in need. Mm-hmm. Because when you're engaged and everybody who gives, can, if they want to, can have their name put on the website. It'll stay there forever. So people will say, I was involved, even if it was just once. You know what's interesting, Greg? The people that tend to give the most are not necessarily the people that you think have the most, and they're typically not the people that have the most. But they're the people that have experienced a hurt or a need in their life, and they know what it feels like, and they want to respond. They're compassionate. And The last study I saw that said the highest percentage of giving, not dollars, obviously, the highest percentage of giving was families who make less than $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So they've got the least to give, and they're giving the most. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus was pretty clear on that, wasn't he? Yes. Well, I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And Thank we'll you. catch up maybe before first of the year. And if, if everybody didn't, all the families don't get covered for Christmas, let us know, and we'll make sure That's that right. happens. And if any of your readers are interested in doing a tour, again, Amy Hoyes is my community engagement person. Um, we have a standing tour every month. Mm-hmm. But we can make arrangements if you have a Sunday school class you want to bring right. down, a Bible group, um, if your plant, if you have a leadership team from your plant that you want to bring down, right. uh, we can schedule a tour for your convenience. So that's the way to really see what's going on. There. And I'm going to publicly this time say, get those joy boxes together for those Sunday school yes. classes. Yes. We hope to have joy boxes for AIM. And if you want one for your Sunday school class or your business or whatever to put in there, mm-hmm. 100% of the money goes to AIM. Yep, and we're going to make that used happen. Well. <laughs> so, well, again, th- happy Thanksgiving. And we, and, uh, the community will never be able to say how much we appreciate what AIM's doing and has done. And I uh, hope you have a great one. Can't do it without the community. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. And as we just mentioned, if you talk to people from any other community, you realize how unusual Anderson is that the charitable charitable organizations do cooperate. They share resources, food, whatever else is needed. And they also make sure each person finds the proper place to best meet their needs. One of those places that has really done some great work here is an especially important organization called Foothills Alliance, which serves victims of sexual abuse in this area from the time they show up at the emergency room or the law enforcement gets involved to counseling They do work that makes some people uncomfortable, but is so valuable and so important to this community. I did catch up with Tracy Bowie after she was sort of worn out after the group's big annual festival of trees, their big Christmas tree fundraiser, which is their main fundraiser of the year, and talked to her about the reasons that they're grateful at Foothills Alliance this year. We're talking, Tracy Bowie, about Foothills Alliance. Here's Thanksgiving time, and we're talking to people about gratitude. What does uh, Foothills Alliance have to be grateful for this year? Um, Well, we just finished our um, Festival of Trees fundraiser last week, so we are um, just grateful for the support from the folks that came out and helped us with that and made that a success for us. Um, We're grateful for all the folks who support us in general all throughout the year um, at different times and giving to us on a monthly basis and Um, volunteering for us. Um, We're grateful for all of our staff and board and um, all the volunteers that put in all the time serving the folks in the emergency room and through the crisis calls and all that we get. Remind people just in just a few words 
who all y'all serve and how y'all serve during the year. Because y'all, y'all are sort of a quiet, by nature it has to be a more, you know, quiet, confidential service. So we serve um, victims of sexual assault primarily. So um, folks show up at the emergency room that have been a victim of sexual assault and we have people that are on call 24-7 to respond to that. So whether it be the weekends, holidays, three in the morning, whatever, um, we're always there to make sure that, that someone supports them through that process. Um, we, we serve for all the um, children victims of sexual assault in both Anderson and Oconee counties as well. So we work close with law enforcement in helping them with the forensic interviews that they do for, um, for children to see if there is anything that they can um, charge criminally for any sexual assaults. Right, right. Um, as we move toward the end of the year, I know it's still big fundraising time, even though you've done your trees thing. Yes. Uh, can people can give online, right? They can. Um, we have a PayPal option on our um, website that people can go Which on and is? do a PayPal option. It is uh, foothillsalliance.org. Okay. And Facebook, you can find it from there. People, A lot of people just search Facebook first now. Yep, we do have a Facebook page, so it's under Foothills Alliance, and we try to keep things up to date that we have going on there as well. Well, no, you, you said you've had kind of an exciting year too. What, what are you grateful for going into Thanksgiving? If you're sitting around the table and they say, Tracy, what are you thankful for this year? What would you tell people? <laughs> um, I guess mostly my family. Um, my oldest son serves in the military, and so um, he just had a um, a baby girl, and so she's just a couple weeks old. Name? So, uh, her name is Allison, and so they're coming home next week, and so we'll get to spend some time with her. I did get to see her when she was born, but That's only exciting. for a couple of days. So That's super exciting. Uh, yeah, we are very excited that they'll they'll get to come home next week and spend some time with the family. So. Um, but I am, um, you know, just grateful for all my family. Um, I, I spend a lot of time doing things, and they're extra supportive to me, and and I appreciate them as well. Well, I wanted to talk to you because I know the community is grateful for the work y'all do. I mean, you know, I know y'all don't get a lot of thank you cards because it's, <laughs> you know, the kind of work y'all do is sort of, you know, front line, you know, battle battle lines. But, yeah. Um, you know, the community appreciates what y'all do, and want to say happy Thanksgiving and appreciate all y'all do. Thank you. Me too. Another person I did want to talk to was someone that a lot of people in this community know. Since arriving in Anderson in the 1980s, Catherine Smith has become one of the most recognized folks in our county. Um, Catherine and I worked together at the old Anderson Independent Mail back in the 80s, and that's where people first got to know her as a writer. And she's also the author of several books and has a big book coming out next year we talked a little bit about. But more importantly, she started an organization that that here in Anderson that has left a, leg, a legacy and a real lasting mark on this county at the Cancer Association of Anderson, a local organization that has helped folks who are struggling with cancer and continues to do so. Talk to her a little bit about that and a little bit about the gratitude that she has for, you know, having an opportunity to start that and being a part of that and also just being a part of Anderson. Talking to Catherine Smith, and uh, we've known each other since newspapers were in black and white. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we worked at the Independent <laughs> together years and years ago in the Dick Gurrell era. Oh, man. And way back when they were transitioning to color, if you yeah. remember that. They did have computers, though. Did? The, dumb, the dummy ones, though. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a real computer. It was uh, like a 
typesetter that went back to yeah. somebody. But, but they had gone beyond typewriters. They had, at they that had point, gone beyond typewriters. So, although there's still reams of that yellow paper floating around. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk to Catherine about a couple of things. We're talking about gratitude, and I know one of the things, at least a couple of people have already mentioned that I've talked to is the Cancer Association of Anderson, and that kind of grew out of an uh, experience you had and vision you had for the folks mm -hmm. here in Anderson. Mm -hmm. Kind of bring us up to date where we are now okay. with the Cancer Association. Okay. Well, it was started in 2003, and it's still doing what I envisioned it would do, um, helping anyone who lives in Anderson County who has cancer at this time um, get through that experience um, with financial assistance, with education, with um, support, um, and just with friendship, really, because when a cancer patient comes to the Cancer Association of Anderson, they usually meet Lynn Buchanan, who's been our site manager now for almost 10 years, and she's just the, the friendliest, kindest person you can imagine. She treats everyone the way she'd like to be treated um, and makes them feel welcome. I think it helps that our office is in a little house. It's, it's like going to grandma's house. It's, I was just going to, I don't interrupt you. It was so, I'm going to anyway though. Yeah. But it was, it's so warm. Yeah. That's such a warm environment. When you yeah. walk in over there, you don't, I, I know people going through this and I've had friends and relatives mm. and by its nature, it's a very clinical experience. Right. You know, right. it's people with clipboards and bright lights and fluorescence. Yeah. You guys, yeah. it's a warm, it is, it's a house, it's yeah. warm, it feels homey and people don't make you feel like you're going through another right. clinical because experience. Right, because you get enough of that with, um, your treatment. So the house um, actually belongs to Dr. Rajiv Malik, and he lets us use it at a very nominal rent. And uh, it is really friendly. It's got fireplaces in every room, and um, you know, it's just it's very comforting to go there. I think. You got so, any idea how many people have come through there over? I mean, um, ballpark. We we get about 300 new patients a year. Wow. And of course, that's from the beginning. It was not anything like that. In fact, we were just open part time to begin with. But um, it's been about 300 a year for about the last you know five or six or wow. seven years. So. God, that's somebody every day essentially. I mean. Mm. Oh, several people. Yeah. yeah usually, yeah, several people a day. I mean, sometimes um, Lynn will have a day where she's had you know, three or four new clients and. Um, you have a lot of volunteers. We do. We have. Um, she usually has a volunteer working every morning or afternoon, and um, they help answering the phone. And then some have some specific duties, like um, one of our volunteers, Peggy Owen, is a specialist with the the pharmacy bill, and she goes through that and makes sure that we're you know not being overcharged and um, reconciles that. Um, Susan Ayen has worked there as a volunteer since almost since the day we opened, and she does some of our. Um, um, input on patients who come in and the services they get and who referred them and that kind of so we can keep up a record with, with what we're doing um, and then let's see we right now we're looking for a new executive director and we'll hopefully have somebody by the end of the year early January and the other person who works there is Carrie Benneker who's part-time she um, helps coordinate events and work with um, our survivor school oncology rehab program well, these aren't just jobs for these people. I mean, these are these essentially are callings. They're I mean, callings. They're yeah. callings. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know it's really it's very tough. When I um, retired um, back in 2011, I was just exhausted. I just you know it just after a while it just wears you down because you also become friends with a lot of of the patients and um and you lose them. Mm -hmm. So I you know I probably lost more friends to cancer than the ordinary. 
show right. because so many of them are people I met through the Cancer Association. It's just hard. It's almost a pastoral kind of role, really, yeah. in terms of the way that goes. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, you really are, uh, I'm going to keep coming back to the theme of gratitude. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You really have a lot of gratitude for the folks that are, have been helping over oh, there. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I know the people that have been helped uh, just talk about you guys. Just, mm -hmm. I mean, it's constantly, long after they're, they, they're in remission and things are going well, they just, and even people who've lost people talk about ease the process, having somebody local. It is local. It I want to really yeah. hammer that it's intensely local. Y'all aren't yeah. the American Cancer Association. We are, they do yeah. good work, not, not hammering them at all, but y'all yeah. are local. We are a local organization, and that's that's the big thing, that, that all the money we get is raised here and all of it stays here. So um, our budget is about 375000 a year, and uh, this has been an extremely tough year. Um, we're in a deficit situation, um, we're really just trying to scramble to, to to end the year without too much in the red. Now because, people can still give. Oh yeah, till the end yeah, of the year is yeah, easy to give online, yeah, you right? Give, you can give anytime. Yeah, tell them where it's the easiest yeah. place to give. Our website is www.cancerassociationanderson.org. Okay. It's the name of our organization without the of in it, as I like gotcha. to say, and you can donate through that. Or um, our address is 215 East Calhoun Street. And, you know, if they forget can, that, they can find you on Facebook. It'll you can take find you right us there. on Facebook. Yeah, we got a Facebook page. And, um, you know, we take securities and stocks. A lot of people, well, not a lot, but, you know, there are people at the end of the year who just want to give some stock. So mm -hmm. we can take that and appreciate that um, very much. So anyway, I hope that um, usually November and December are when people are feeling a lot of gratitude and they're thinking, you know, it's been a good year for me. Um, I'd like to to pass it along, and I'm hoping that, that people will open their hearts and their pocketbooks and checkbooks and do that this year. Um, um, I've recently gone on the, the board of directors there, and um, we've got a, a very good board, and we're just looking at ways to, to keep going just the way we've done and, and to um, change and grow our programs too, because it's not just about money. We have um, support groups that meet there, we will pay for anyone with, with cancer in Anderson County to go through the oncology rehab program at NMED, which I've had cancer twice, both times I've gone through it. It's an exercise and education program for survivors, and um, it really, really does help. So. Well, that's great. I, I, I know uh, the community's been really richer because of that. It's been a long time. Right. Right. So people can volunteer, they can give, there's still mm -hmm. time to call, or if, or if they mm -hmm. have somebody in their family, or if they're going through it, they need to contact y'all, because yeah. this is the place mm -hmm. that, y'all are much more agile and nimble because you're local, and right. you make all the decisions here, you don't have to right. go through some national orders. Well, it's pretty unusual that you can walk in, you know, there, there's a, a very simple application process, and you can walk in and, and leave with with a check to help pay for your prescriptions, or gas money to get to the doctor or you know other things have like wigs that. and scarves we have wigs and, and hat. we've got a room hats. stuffed with wigs and scarves and hats um, for men and women um, that's neat I mean that's yeah. unusual and, it, it, and it's so it's not threatening there but uh, we're talking about oh, how warm the should, place our is little, yeah our I've heard seen people out there having fun with it it is know. it's always fun because uh, sometimes they'll ask for help and I've gone in and helped people Lynn has too and Carrie but um, you'll just sometimes somebody will come with a family or friend and we'll just hear them in there just howling because they're trying on all these goofy hats or different wigs and um, seeing what their look is. But we just we're just busting with wigs and hats. So, well, I don't want to run out of time. This is mm -hmm. like your third 
career. I mean, well, you got a third <laughs> career. This was your second career. I think your first yeah. career was in journalism. Yeah. Your second career was the cancer. Non nonprofits. Nonprofits. Yeah. And then you started writing books at some point, right? Yeah. After I um, left the Cancer Association in 2012, I started writing books. And the first one I did was with um, the late, great Johnny Nan. Helped him write his memoir, The Music Man, which was just delightful. Um, what a wonderful man. I also worked with an, an editor with um, some folks like Jack McIntosh on his book, Don't Kill All the Lawyers. Had him on the uh, radio talking about that book. That oh, was yeah. a fun, fun, oh, yeah. fun and book. And his second book, um, Ain't Mad at Nobody, is just as funny. Jack is, goodness, what a raconteur. Um, and he was really involved in a lot of important things people absolutely. forget about. Absolutely. Uh, he was involved in uh, you know, the uh, desegregation schools here and ways yeah. that people didn't set back, he didn't. He, he was very aggressive. Very much so. Public education, he was on the State Board of Education. Um, Jack is a tremendous contributor to this community. And, uh, very modest about it. But, uh, mm -hmm. um, and, um, but anyway, the, the, but the big book I like to say that I'm working, um, have working on is, well, I finished it, is um, a biography of Marguerite Lahant, who worked for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And um, the reason I wrote it is because I wanted to read a book about her and no one had written one. And I just found that incredible. Um, anytime you read a book about FDR, she's always mentioned as one of the most important people in his inner circle. She was his private secretary, but she was also an advisor and a friend. And she lived in the White House. So, um, you know, what you usually hear about, her name was, she was called Missy is that she was very important, that you know she was just totally devoted to FDR. You know, some authors will say she was probably in love with him, you know, and all this stuff. And um, I kind of went into it with those same beliefs. And then I discovered um, that it was, that her story was very different from that, that um, she was actually in love with someone else who was um, the ambassador to Paris. Um, that she was um, ex just much more influential than I had ever dreamed on um, policy. She recommended Supreme Court appointments and things like that. And, and FDR respected her, um, her opinions and her common sense so well that he would listen to her. In a lot of ways, she was more influential than Eleanor, who um, just kind of had some habits of haranguing her husband, and Missy was more diplomatic. and. Um, they just were, were very close friends. Um, Sounds she, like this took a lot of research. I mean, there's it did. There is a lot of stuff on her, but just nobody's ever pulled it together. Is well, that... there's a lot of stuff on her that's not true, and it tends uh, to be that one person has written something and everyone else quotes gotcha. that. But I, I covered two really important sources. One was her medical records. Um, she had a stroke when she was 43. Hmm. And and it literally, I mean, she literally worked herself to death and died when she was 47. So I found her medical records, but then I found her family. And they are um, her great nieces. They're delightful women. They had just boxes and boxes of papers, letters, pictures, and they were eager for Missy's story to be told. So that they were so very, cool. yeah. So I've got pictures that have never been seen before. Of um, I've got, they had Missy's home movies. And in one of the home movies, FDR is sitting in a wheelchair. There are only four known pictures of FDR in a wheelchair in existence. And this is a whole home movie of him down at Warm Springs sitting in his bathing suit in a wheelchair. Man, that yeah. is very cool. It really is. It really is. So the book is um, being published by an imprint of Simon & Schuster Touchstone Books next September. 
And um, I hope that, you know, of course, I want it to be a bestseller. But, I want it to be a movie, too. You know, <laughs> but, um, but especially, I want it to be a bestseller um, because I want people to know about this woman. She was amazing. And um, she really, she broke a glass ceiling at, that before we even knew what a glass ceiling was. For all intents and purposes, she was FDR's chief of staff. Um, the title didn't exist then. Eisenhower was the one who introduced that title. But there has never been a female chief of staff in White House history. But she was it. Hmm. So, anyway. I'm so really how long did you spend writing that book? About two years, two and a half years. Um, and I was working on other things, too. Sure. But you remember from my journalism days, I'm very quick. Yeah. You have to be when you're a reporter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can't. And, and, and people don't. That You know, everybody talks about writing. They don't realize how hard that work is. Well, it is. But, you know. I mean, it's rewarding and you want to do, when you when it's in your blood. Yeah. But it's, it's still... You got to sit down there every day and work. Right. It's not. Right. I get this this amuse wanders in and I write a hundred pages. You know, it's exactly. It's like going to work. I yeah. Mean. Well, when I think about how much it's required to to get this book together, I think you know if I had known, I probably never would have started. <laughs> but you know, right. you you bite that you eat that elephant one bite at a time. Right. So. Um, so I'm really, really excited about it and real proud of the book. And it'll be out in September. We'll, t- we'll get together yeah, and talk about it. It's called before The Gatekeeper. The, the Gatekeeper, gatekeeper. Mm-hmm, which is what she was. And when did she die? She died in 1944. She died a month after D Day. Oh, wow. So, and then FDR died nine months later. Um, the interesting thing is, she's the only person other than his family who had a, a substantial bequest in his will. And he didn't change his will even though she had died. But he left to her and Eleanor half the income of his estate a year and it was for her medical costs so he really remembered her to the same degree as his wife wow. and he, he just put it in his will to my friend Marguerite Lahan because he was concerned he was paying for all her health care costs and medical costs and he was concerned that if he died before she did that nobody would continue that well, sound, I was not really joking it sounds very visual it sounds mm-hmm. like it would make a really great Oh, I, I think that yeah, I think Kate Winslet would be a great Missy. She looks a lot like Missy. She was quite striking and uh, had uh, prematurely gray hair, just big blue eyes, so very pretty lady. So. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that offer comes in. <laughs> That'd be something else <laughs> well, to be grateful for, well, wouldn't it? We'll see. I don't, you know, there are too many things that once the movie people get hold of a story, they don't always tell the story the way you'd like it. So I'm going to be very hesitant about that. Well, I know. Um, kind of bring this around. I know that since you and your husband, Leo, moved to this community, mm-hmm. y'all have been a real important part of it. Oh, and thanks. I know the community is grateful you guys are here. Anything personally you want to express gratitude for for this Thanksgiving edition of the yeah. podcast? Yeah, well, two things. My children, um, my son, Adam, is a college professor now. I know it's hard for you to believe that since you knew him as a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And he now has a daughter who's, who's three, London Catherine, and I'm grateful for her. And my daughter Elizabeth is getting married um, in two weeks to um, a wonderful fellow named um, Nick Dowling. They're getting married in Charleston, so I'm happy to be welcoming a new son-in-law. Well, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. You just had a week with your grandchild, you said? Woo! She's wild. She reminds <laughs> me a lot of her daddy. She's just busy, 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 busy. <laughs> cat, 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 cat. That's what and my name is. And how are folks? They're great. My, my parents are 82 now. They're in, in good health, and I'm and still living in Clemson, so I'm grateful that I get Remind to Remind everybody who they are, just them. in case people... Bruce, Bruce Yandel and Dot Yandel. My mother's latest projects is creating... Little free libraries in Clemson, oh, which wow. would be a, an interesting another interview for Definitely you to do, have to Greg. To her, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, love to see there. that spread. That's I love things like that uh-huh, to catch on. Uh huh. Yeah, that's her. She loves her. What's your dad doing? Libraries. He's still t- doing a lot of speaking and right. writing. Um, an economist. Um, 
he and Adam wrote a book together uh, a couple years ago, but he's um, just still keeps his keeps his mind going. They're great parents. Yeah. Well, yeah. they they uh, obviously uh, brought you up with a love for learning and yeah. thinking about things yeah. and being inquisitive. And, Absolutely. And we were grateful for that. Well, thanks for taking time, Catherine. Thank I appreciate you. it. We'll get you together again right. uh, before the book. And also, I'm always plugging this. Uh, we're about to launch One Local Dollar and the Cancer Association of Anders will be part of that. Uh, Wonderful. So we'll, uh, we'll get back together when all that's going on, maybe with the whole crew of the folks that are going to be involved. But thanks, Catherine. All right. Thank Happy you. Thanksgiving. You too. While I was up at the historic courthouse, uh, just after I talked to Rusty Burns, I ran into somebody who I wanted to include in this. She's she's one of the people who's really grateful that the Cancer Association of Anderson is here, and she's Anderson County's Director of Communications, Angie Stringer, and she shared her own bat battle with the disease and how she's beat it, and she's one of the first people in line to praise the Cancer Association for their work. But few people know that Angie works behind the scenes making a lot of the big annual events. As a matter of fact, most of the big annual events that happen in Anderson County happen from the Anderson County Fair to celebrate Anderson, Tour de la France, any of the other big events, she's working behind the scenes to make sure things go smoothly. Um, she at least co-founded uh, so many of these things, and she recently brought the Bluegrass Festival here, and they did a lot of work on that. This is in, in addition to her normal job, which is constantly working to get the good news out about what's going on in the county and help help them craft that message. And she creates a lot of events and things to make Anderson a better place. And she is one of the most grateful people I know. And she wanted to share that today. I'm talking to my old friend, Angie Stringer. I don't mean yes. you're old, but I mean, I'm older well, than I you. Know. I'm a good bit older than you, but we've, we've known, I've known Angie since she was little. Yes. So uh, she is Director of Communications for Anderson County. She's been on the podcast before. Yes. And we're talking about gratitude. Um, it's Thanksgiving week. And um, just thought I'm asking different people, what are you grateful for this year, both at work and at home, or anything you want to talk about in terms of gratitude? We're just trying to remind everybody of the benefits and the healing power of gratitude. Yes. Well, I can tell you there's so much to be thankful for, and this year has been a great year for me. Um, a lot of learning experiences this year, and, you know, we've talked about it before, but you can, it's all in your perspective and, and how you look at things, and a lot of times, you know, we tend to say, oh, things aren't going right, or oh, I'm sick, or I'm dealing with this disease, or, or something like that. But then there's always someone who has it worse than you do. And there's always someone who really needs your encouragement. And I think um, with me, uh, life has become uh, a lot clearer. I think clarity comes with going through uh, trials. And well, remind people some of what you're talking about, because yeah. some people may not know. Well, and you've and, been very public about it. I don't yes, know. I, I haven't hidden it. It's um, in in 2013 in September, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and went through about 13, 14 months of chemo, um, numerous surgeries, um, just to get you know um, back on the road to health. And I feel like I'm on that road now, and uh, I'm very grateful to be alive. Very grateful for. Um, the wonderful doctors that I had, and I'll tell you, Dr. Bice, and um, he, he was just fabulous to me. Dr. Batizzi, my oncologist, and now Dr. Doster, and of course, Dr. Bruner, who's helped me with reconstruction um, out at Bearwood, and I, I've just had some fabulous doctors, fabulous nurses, and been surrounded by organizations like the Cancer Association of Anderson, and we just have so much in our community, and when you talk about gratitude, 
There's so many resources here and people who pour their lives into them. Um, it, even against uh, obstacles a lot of times. Um, giving is down for all the charities around here. And I would just, um, I'm, I'm really trying to dig deep and, and, and reach out to those and give back some. And I would just encourage everybody to do that during this holiday season when we start thinking about pause to think about the things that we are grateful for in our lives um, look around and see how we can help other people and give back so that they have something to really be thankful for um, you and I were talking earlier about uh, the glass being half empty or half full and it is all in our perspective and um, like I told you I love the line that my cup runneth over because every morning when we wake up um, and, and I've really kind of made a habit of this. Um, it may sound silly to some, but when I get up, before I even get out of bed, um, I remind myself, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, because I have been given another day. And none of us, we're, we're not promised tomorrow, but uh, I feel like I have so much because I have a wonderful family. I have beautiful children, grandchildren. I have fantastic friends. Um, I, I don't go hungry, obviously. <laughs> um, I, we just have so much to be grateful for. And I think if we would take every day and try to be, um, to find that gratitude and to even verbalize out loud to remind ourselves of the things that we have today. I can see. I have eyesight. You know, um, I can walk. I can talk. Um, all those things that we take for granted. And I think that's just it, is to uh, maybe make this next year a year that we begin to not take things for granted and people for granted, but to be overjoyed and, and overflowing with gratitude, I think. When you mention that, it's interesting that scripturally it talks about we carry this treasure, the King James says, in jars of clay. Yes. The others say earthen vessels. And those are things you could refill. And like I told you when we started, my, my motto the last few years has been the glass is refillable. So yes. when I feel like I'm getting low, it can be filled up again. Yes. And you just talked about great times. You're from, from Anderson, your family's from Anderson, long time. This is the best time to ever have lived in Anderson. Yes. Now people get all nostalgic, and there were some good things in the old days. But we've taken what was good then, and most of it we brought forward. Mm -hmm. Everything loses a little in transition, but we brought most of it forward. And we've added a lot of other things because even like your the ordeal you're going through, it wouldn't have been there 50 years ago. Right. You would have died. Right, would have died. That's and true. And people would have been like, oh, we think we know what it was, but you know. Mm -hmm. And so there's that. And also the charities that are here. Uh, Mills and Wills is about to celebrate 40 years next mm -hmm. year. AIM was 25 years old this last weekend for their big uh, you know, charity event. Uh, some things have popped up that were never here before. Right. To help people that... Uh, are falling through the cracks and of course you know, the haven will serve 2500 people including delivering a lot of meals during thanksgiving mm -hmm. um those kind of things that are, are things that have evolved mm -hmm. and kind of things that have made anderson a better place and we have a very generous um community we do um people give a lot uh and and you know it's it's very true when you look around it's it's the ones that give that give so much you think about the story of the widow's might and the people who do reach out and give. And, and we have a lot, we have a lot of organizations in our community that other communities don't have. Right. And people who are motivated and who want to do and want to help their neighbor. And I think, you know, if, if none of us are perfect, obviously, and, uh, but I think to, 
in in my life to try to to find those people that like you said have fallen through the cracks and and to be um a blessing to other people uh because you never know when like in my situation and we all face it when you're going to need a blessing when you're going to need somebody to reach out and say hey to encourage you or to um to reach out and minister to you and i, I think this is the time of year to celebrate that and to find that in ourselves to give to other people. Well, nothing feeds the soul like doing something for somebody else. People don't right. get that. They're always saying, well, I'm angry. And, I'm, and we all have anger. We all have problems. I'm not saying, you know, we've got it all figured out. I'm just saying that nothing feeds those things that are best about us more than doing something for somebody else, particularly something that somebody else can't help us. You know, I mentioned to you that you know, we're trying to get this before Christmas to launch one local dollar which means we want everybody in the county to consider, now you know everybody won't, giving $1 a month mm -hmm. to local charities, which would be $1.2 million yes. per year for local charities. Just that little bit. Just $1. And we want to ask, when you mentioned that, we want to ask homeless people. Yes. We want to ask the people getting meals on wheels. We want to ask the guys living under the viaduct if they've got some change or something. Most people want to be engaged in helping other people, no matter how little they have. And most of the people who have the least give well, the statistics the bear price. that out. And then that one local dollar spending, like you said, spend it locally. Keep it in this community. The multiplier is what, like 40 times more oh, yes, impactful yes. in the community when you spend it here. And it may say, well, I'm paying 30 cents more. Yeah, but you're paying 30 cents more, but you're going to get it back somewhere else in this community because right. you're spending money in this community. When you when you start looking at buying gifts and, and for Christmas right. or for uh, birthdays or something, use your local vendors. Come to the local stores that you know that that are the mom and pops and the brothers and the sisters. And the that holiday live. fair. The holiday and fair. The farmers, the market, farmers market is right a after Thanksgiving, great yeah. opportunity. You can find some fabulous that place gifts is packed there. With vendors too. It, it is, and they're they're local and they make really neat crafts mm -hmm. and really neat things for people. And good place and it, to visit. It is, too. and it's fun. It it's is. a fun thing. You can always go out there and get hot chocolate and uh, walk through with a little bit of the chill in the air. So it's a great way to kind of get in the spirit of giving too. And uh, so, yeah, do that and, and look for your local vendors. I mean, I, I try every year, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, talking about gratitude, um, I invite a lot of my friends over to my house because the year that I was diagnosed, I couldn't go out in public a lot because I was very susceptible to any germs. Uh, being on chemo and I had two very dear 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 friends that came over to my house that make mm -hmm. uh, you may know Darlene Reed she does jewelry tag team designs and Nikki um, Caldwell and they came over to my house and spread out all their stuff on my table and let me shop wow. so that I could get gifts I get choked up even talking about it so that I could still give at Christmas to my nieces and nephews and everything and it meant so much to me that um, we made it a tradition. So this year will be our third year, and I just invite some of my friends to come over and shop. And, of course, Nikki and, and Darlene are there, and I've got some other friends that come with their goodies. We've got a 31 person and somebody that sells Scentsy and somebody with lotions and homemade soaps. And just it's a fun night, but it's a celebration for me of how people reached out to me and were a blessing to me and now maybe I can bring people into that and have like just just my friends over to the house and, and do that. So I think things like that, you know, they're little things you can do, but they mean a lot. It meant a lot to me. So now if I can repay that or pay it forward, I think it's a good thing. And I've tried to find, um, there have been a couple of uh, 
uh, women that I have come in contact with that are going through the same thing I went through that I've been able to say, hey, you know, let me do your Christmas shopping for you or can I, you know. So there's there's always ways you can give back. And, and I like blessings. the way you're positioning that. You're doing this because you really want to do it. Yeah. You don't feel obligated. No. You don't feel like you owe anybody. And, you know, it, I'm not trying to turn this Angie and I start talking, we start preaching here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but the only place in Scripture where Jesus clearly marks the difference between the people who follow him and the ones who don't are those who feed the hungry and clothe those who need clothes, visit those who are sick, visit those who are in prison. Right. It's the only place he makes that distinction. Right. And he asked two groups the same question. The, two groups asked him the same questions. One of them was just doing it because they wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be a part and be engaged. The other were like sitting around waiting for an obligation, and they never did it. It's not an obligation. The and I, I don't, I'm not going to harp on it, but the one local dollar. If you just want to give twelve dollars once, you've covered yeah. your year. And my goal, realistic goal, the first year is to get twenty percent participation. Mm -hmm. That would be about five hundred something thousand dollars to be divided among the four major ones we start with. And that's a huge amount of money. That's yes. as big as, I, I mentioned it to, to, to Lori Ashley at Mills on Wheels this morning when I was talking to her because we talked to her for this. That's bigger than, that'd be a check bigger than any of their biggest fundraisers. Mm -hmm. Just from local people. And you can sustain that model by asking local people to give a dollar. Right. And you could even play it out as we move into, you know, the kind of kiosk you see in stores and stuff. If, you know, if you've supported one local dollar and give it into that. It's, that's right. Uh, um, but it's almost Christmas, and it's the time when people do start thinking about it. And if people are going to be generous and their hearts melt a little bit, it's this time of year. Right. And we've got so many cool things. Ice skating now. Yes, So yes. we'll have that music, and then Rusty will turn the other music on when theirs is not out of yes. the tower. So our tree, when it comes in for the county, we're going to get that thing unboxed and up as quick as possible. And the tree lighting. Don't forget the, tree, the tree lighting, lighting on Friday. The first Friday, uh, the 6th this year, I think. Is that right? Is, is it? the 6th or 5th? Where is it? I have to look. Yeah, you can look. <laughs> your calendar. Oh, it's that... that Thanksgiving being so late this year um, kind of threw me a little bit. 29, it'll be the 4th. 4th, that's correct. Friday the 4th. Friday the 4th is the big lighting. We have carols and everything down. That'll be nice with our big new tree. And of course, I, I just mentioned talking to uh, Rusty Burns earlier, you know, looking forward to next year when we have our fountain back downtown. You know, the historic fountain getting yes. back downtown. Yes, that's going to be good. I, I don't want to repeat this too much, but if people haven't seen that thing lately, they need to go to the museum and look at it. That would, that would be at home in any major metropolitan area as a high-quality piece of it's art. It's beautiful. And it's if you beautiful. saw it in New York City in front of Rockefeller Center, you'd think, oh, yeah, that's part of it. looks right here, you know? It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. And it's iconic. It's another icon for Anderson County and the city of Anderson. So. Right. But, uh, well, is there anything else you want to tell people before we say Happy Thanksgiving? Uh, well, just Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you spend time with your family this year and just love everybody. Like I said, none of us are promised tomorrow. And uh, just make sure that you make this year count. And, and hey, make the farmer's market a holiday market. And it's not too late to make this year count. That's right. It's not. Uh, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. But to, uh, you know, begin spending your $12 a year at least mm -hmm. in downtown. You know, look, look for those things that you can do. Buy local. Buy your food local. We've got tons of farmers and uh, some of the local little stores that have some of the farms around here have little stores that you can go in and buy your meat and stuff like that. So and our local restaurants just smoke any of the chains. That's right. They're they're good, healthy, and most of them buy local around here. So, yeah, I would just encourage everybody to think locally. Think of your family this year. Um, I know um, 
everybody's looking at what's going on in the world, but just for this time, look in a little bit and look at those closest to you and see what you can do to make them count and to let them know that they count in your life and, right. and be grateful. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you and Andy and all your crew that's scattered out that you'll have to get back together for yes, the holidays. looking and, forward to it. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Greg. Uh, the last person I talked to for the podcast this week is a man many of you probably know. Uh, his title is very appropriate. When I'll, we'll get to that in a minute. He'll, he'll describe what it is. But Craig Johnson is widely known in Anderson for his charity work, especially with groups such as the Anderson Free Clinic, where he's been a real staple and volunteer down there, and with the YMCA, where he donates frame selections of his photography. He's getting a pretty good reputation now as a photographer. If you've seen any of the work, if you go to the Y, you'll see his work hanging in the hall, up and down the hallways, framed and ready. You can also buy it, and the money goes to the Y. It's, it's a fundraiser for the Y. He is also a man who credits gratitude with helping shape his life into something better. And he's even written a devotional book that he just finished on gratitude, which should be available first of the year. Well, this will be the first time that the Anderson Reserver podcast has ever had a life enrichment facilitator on. <laughs> Anderson's own Craig Johnson. Craig, uh, we're talking about gratitude here with Thanksgiving week. And when I, when I, uh, uh, reached out to you about this. You said that you had, it was interesting timing because you just finished a book on gratitude. And uh, so I thought, well, so you, you were just telling me about it before we came on here. Tell me a little bit about the book first and then we'll. About six, eight months ago, a lady who had some huge struggles in her own life still does challenged me to post three things a day for five days on Facebook that I was thankful for. And she challenged a number of her friends to do that. So I put up about five things a day for five days, and I kept going, and I kept going, and it turned into a 200-page book. And so each day I have a couple of paragraphs on a, on a gratitude-related topic, and then there's five bullet points of something I'm thankful for. It's a daily devotional on gratitude. It's, it's, each day is two pages a Couple paragraphs on the left, and then three bullet points on, or five bullet points on the uh, the right. Why do you think gratitude is such a big deal? I mean, you spent that much time. Gratitude, from working with people in recovery, which is alcoholics and addicts, gratitude is like the lubricant of life. Uh, Father Martin, who was a revered Catholic priest on the recovery speaking circuit, said that gratitude was the queen of emotions. And when you are experiencing gratitude, you cannot at the same time be experiencing resentment, anger, rage, things that cause most of our public issues. It's the antidote for so many negative things. And in my own experience, having a flush of gratitude feels better than anything you can get from a pill or from alcohol or from sex, anything. It is the ultimate rush, and the wonderful thing about gratitude is everybody involved in it is a winner. Nobody is used. Nobody's exploited. It's a win-win. And I've always thought of it as, like Father Martin, the queen of emotions. Well, this person who challenged you to put those up, there are people who think, well, what do I have to be grateful for? You know, I mean, they, they, they get so down in their lives, they lose sight of, what, what, do you, what would you say to somebody like that? Well, that's actually how it started because the lady that um, asked me to do this had attempted suicide seriously, and she gives me credit for saving her life, and there's several out there that do. And 
There's a lot in their life that's not good. But I challenge these people to do it without being condescending or trivial. Is You can come up with five things you're thankful for today. Sometimes you have to stretch. You opened your eyes and they actually worked. You opened your eyes. 154,000 people that were alive yesterday on this planet are not alive today. That happens every day. You're one that got, you were given another day. They didn't call your number today. When people ask me, how are you? And I say it in all seriousness, I'm not being silly about it. Well, I'm above ground. I'm essentially pain-free. There's no active warrants out on me today that I know about. Uh, nobody's taking shots at me today. I don't have any sworn enemies. They let me sleep inside last night. I've gotten to eat twice so far today, and it's only 2 in the afternoon. And I think they're going to let me sleep inside tonight. And you can kind of see where I'm going with it. And if you start kind of at the bottom on Maslow's need hierarchy, shelter, safety, food. In this country, by definition, you have access to safe water. It doesn't matter what ghetto you live in. There's probably public water service in there that's safe to drink without doing anything to it. Two billion people on this planet don't have access to that and never will. You can live in the hood. Odds are you have access to a toilet and probably a butt wipe. Three-quarters of India does not have access to a toilet or wipes. They use so-called open defecation. So when you start getting down to the base animal needs that we have, you can find a lot to be grateful for, especially if you've never thought about these things before. Now, if you've um, got a medical challenge and then you're relieved of it, I'm thankful that today I'm not nauseated because if you're nauseated, that's all you think about. And when it lets go and releases, oh, wow, how could I ever take it for granted not being nauseated? So we can mine deeply down into our regular, ordinary daily experience and find things to be grateful for. Now, you've traveled a lot, right? 52 countries. Okay. Have you seen approaches to gratitude uh, manifest themselves differently in other countries? Than, or is this sort of a, a human condition that we can miss it if we're not? Well, I think gratitude is a universal it's a language. It's an experience that we can all have. Yeah, if you're living in Fiji, you might be really grateful that we have blue waters, warm skies, and coconuts today. But if you're living on an ice floe in Alaska, you might be thankful that, oh, we found it. We got a seal today, so we get to eat. And we'll have fur, so we can make a, something insulate ourselves from the, the Arctic winter. And so you can find things everywhere. I don't know that it manifests any differently, but what happens is that people that are experiencing gratitude have a contentment. They have an appreciation for what they have. They have less jealousy, less envy, less striving, less competitiveness. And the world would sure do better without all of those things. There was a individual in one of our recovery meetings several years back Got a little plaque over there on the wall that says, Just enough is a feast. I've got several friends who understand that, and we eat together most days, and we're always scrounging in each other's refrigerators, and as a joke, we'll call each other and says, Well, I've got some scraps out. What would you like? And 
we're grateful for whatever shows up that day. We don't have this preconceived idea of, well, this is what I get to eat today. There's lots of people who won't eat leftovers. And they're really fussy about food. I know the difference between really, 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 really good food and cardboard with ketchup on it. Cardboard on, with ketchup on it is what I get today. If I'm grateful for it, it's a feast. It's enough. And I don't have to whine about not getting um, salmon with capers today. I get salmon with capers? Yeah, that's nice. I like the stuff. But you can give me a dried out piece of pizza and I'm happy with it too. It's the Apostle Paul talked about being content in all situations which you find yourself. And I find gratitude is um, something that makes it real easy to navigate different kinds of terrains and be happy in whatever they are. I don't have to have 600 count Egyptian linen napkins to wipe myself with. I can use a paper napkin if that's what's available. Yeah, I like cloth napkins, but paper's what I get. That's what I get, and I'm happy. At least I have something to wipe with, which means I had something to eat. If I'm washing dirty dishes, I think thankful that I have dishes, and I had something to put on them, and I got clean water to wash them with, and a sink to wash them in. And you can see the drift. Sure. And you can inform your whole life that way. Well, in your, in your travels, you're talking about 52 countries. Have you run into, like... Any particular group of people that seems to get it? I mean, they seem to understand gratitude. Have you run into any? I've noticed that some of the indigenous tribes in the high mountains of southern Mexico, they were grateful for anything. I was involved for 16 years setting up field surgeries down there twice a year. It's day a month down there. And our kitchen, our field kitchen, use these big number 10 cans of vegetables and fruits and whatever, and six-ounce little cans of juice. And the people in the town love to have that stuff because they're used to using low-fire clay pots that break if you look at them. And here they suddenly have this big, good steel can that's durable. They were all over that, and it was dumbfounded and how they could be so grateful for the tiniest speck of anything. There's a beautiful story of gratitude, and I'm working on a book called The Nine Gifts of the Magi, about my experiences with gratitude in Mexico um, during these, doing these camps. I was in a place out in the high deserts, which now Americans are told not to even go near because of all the drug violence that was out in the western Mexican desert. And I went out during uh, one of our breaks in the clinic to the little town square, and this lady had the most beautiful tablecloths. They were embroidered. And I wanted to buy one of them. And I told her that I was going to go back into the lab where I was working and get some money and come back out and pay her for it. And when I came back out to pay her for it, another man that had been standing there had bought it. And I was going to give her money. She said, well, this, and I'm speaking to her in semi-functional Spanish, in a mixture of Indian dialects. And she says, well, this man bought it. And I was about to get really annoyed. Well, why'd you sell it to him? I was going to go inside and get the money and bring it right back to you a minute ago. Unfortunately, I did not open my yap. What happened was the man had bought it and wanted to gift it to me for coming to his little village and, and bringing them health care. And what he paid for that tablecloth, and I knew what the wages were in that area, he worked several months buy me that tablecloth. And I was just dumbfounded 
at the gratitude and the generosity because they're real close kissing cousins. And I never forgot, I remember it was like seconds ago, and that was 30 years ago. Wow. It was in the mid-80s that he did that. And I've had a number of episodes like that down there. There was immense thankfulness, gratitude, appreciation, generosity. And more than once that I was down there, and I'd be walking on the street during our siesta break in the afternoon between clinic sessions. A total stranger would jerk me into their house and get his wife and start cooking everything in the place. <laughs> and they just wanted to share all that they had. And I found that generally those with less tend to be more giving. And that's even proven in this country that mm. on a percentage basis and on absolute dollars, the little people tend to give the most. Mm -hmm. I was United Way chair for the biggest employer in this county, and I found that to be true, that you could go to the kitchen of the hospital and some guy making then $5 an hour, if that, would pull rumpled money out of his white work coat and give it to me for the United Way campaign. So I found that in places of struggle, they tend to share it better with more community sensibility. Those with more can afford to insulate themselves. They can afford to hire it done. They don't need each other. Well, with Thanksgiving coming in, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, okay, I'm hearing all these people talking about gratitude and being thankful, but I just, I don't even know where to start. I'm just kind of down and I'm, I'm fighting a lot of things. Where would, where would you suggest they start? How would you start to begin to experience what gratitude brings? Again, back to a basic level. You're alive today. Most of the people that would be listening to this are probably free of radical physical pain. Most of them do not have a, pre a presumptive diagnosis of a fatal disease. But uh, somebody's in a, a serious funk and say, okay. And I've been in a serious funk. I've had dark night of the soul three times. And I had to start real basic and say, okay, this is a mental or an emotional anguish. There may be a solution to that. I haven't been told I've got a terminal physical. I've been told I have terminal mental issues that cannot be restored, and they have been restored through spiritual things. But I would tell somebody that's really struggling, sucking wind, you can be thankful you're alive, that you have your physical health. The fat lady hasn't sung yet. You, as long, If you're above ground, semi-healthy physically, you still have options probably not being shot at and you have the ability you can be thankful of that you don't have something to eat today there are places in this town where you can go eat i'm going to go eat a thanksgiving dinner tonight and this is monday i've got one tomorrow i've got two on thursday may have one wednesday and those are available to whoever wants them it's not because i've got an inside track that those are available. So we live in a place where you be thankful you have access to clean water today. And those are things you probably have usually taken for granted. It's the when we don't start lifting weight with a four hundred pound bar, we lift it we start lifting with an empty bar that might weigh thirty pounds. And say, so, okay, I'm gonna be thankful for clean water today. I'm gonna be thankful that I woke up today, that I'm not being shot at today. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna start there. And then if somebody calls you just to see how you're doing, be 
be thankful if nobody called and you were under radar. And if nobody calls you, you can call them and, and get somebody and they're good to hear from you. I'm glad somebody on the planet cared that I called them. And you start with real lightweights and you'll do that. And you might, depending on where you are in life, you, you might get a raise, you might get a promotion, you might get somebody to ask you out to dinner. I got somebody on Facebook yesterday saying, if you're not doing anything on Thursday, come over. We got tons of food. So now I've got two Thanksgiving dinners on Thursday. And when we're open to the generosity of the universe, rather than whining about what we don't have, stuff tends to show up. I mean, it's astounding how stuff shows up. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's having a pity party or whining. But if somebody, gratitude is probably the most wonderful social skill a person can have. It wears really, really well and never goes out of fashion. So when we tend to be thankful and grateful, we kind of go around almost enchanted. People like being around that. And they're going to invite you to stuff. They're going to call you. They're going to ask you to eat at their table. They're going to see if you want to go to a play. They're going to ask you if you want to go to the gym with them. Whatever it is. I just spent, believe it or not, four hours in the gym. And it was magic. Most of it was magic. Yeah, I busted some butt and got some exercise. But... Most of what I did there was magic interactions with people. It's become this treasure chest of relationships with me. Well, I didn't used to have that. I could have stayed here and kept on whining about what was going on with me or saying, no, I'm going to push through, start to be thankful. And I've kept, and I would recommend somebody write them down. Every day, write down five things you're thankful for. You'll figure out five things. And each day it'll get a little easier. It's okay to be short and I'm alive today. But don't put it down, I'm alive today for the next 50 days. Get a little more creative, <laughs> I'm alive today. Well, you yeah. mentioned a lot of people, I think, do preach it. The world is a, it's a place of total scarcity. and They don't realize that there is, there are things out there that if you can just kind of look beyond your circumstance sometimes. It, yeah. uh, but I wanted to ask you this, though, because you mentioned this a couple of minutes ago. What do you see as the connection between spirituality and gratitude? They're the same thing. Um, I think that gratitude, it's almost a synonym for love, charity, for openness. But I see spirituality as connecting. Connecting with God and with other people because we really are a community of one and gratitude to me is sort of a conscious acknowledgement of we're all together we're sharing this i'm thankful to be part of something i go to the y and i have this amazing sense of connectiveness and it's a very spiritual thing i generally find that sort of thing more spiritual than i do a lot of overtly religious activities I would a hundred times rather have a conversation with somebody that's authentic and we truly touch souls than to sing a thousand hymns or listen to a thousand sermons. Because we, a lot of times, we think of spirituality and religion as the same thing. To me, they're very different. Religion is religion. It's institutionalized types of behavior. We do prayers. We do hymns. We listen to sermons. We sit in pews. We go to Sunday schools, we do 
certain practices. We don't eat fish on Friday if you're a certain faith, or you don't do any work on Saturday if you're a certain faith, where spirituality, to me, informs every aspect of life, and there's no compartmentalization of it. And so I can be out in nature and just be overwhelmed with God's sense of creativity, the fact that he rarely repeats himself, and there's magic, beautiful things all the time. The Christian scriptures say that they're without excuse because he's made himself known through the handiwork of his creation. He speaks probably more loudly through his creation than he does through any one person or any one book or any anything. And so I can listen to that and it can really tune me in. I don't worship the nature. I just like, if I want to know what Picasso was like, look at his art. If I want to know what Somebody else is like, read their books that they wrote or the art that they did or what, the, whatever it is, their letters. And God put quite a bit of art around for us to look at, and he did happen to do some writing, too, through some people. So I can look at those things and go, not worshiping Bibles or trees, but I can say, well, these might tell me about the guy behind them. And so... There's that, something engaging, too, about people who... You know, are sort of living in a state of kind of gratitude. I don't mean all the time walking around telling people what they're thankful for, but you can just kind of, there's a sense in which if you start talking to people and they are, as you were talking about, like a very genuinely uh, being positive and thinking about, you know, other people and serving and doing things that is just engages people. You don't have to talk about religious dogma because people recognize something spiritual is going on there. And I would say that's a good test of whether you're really doing that. If, if I have to tell you about my spiritual way of life or my religion, it's probably no good. If it shows, then I may be on to something authentic. But watch my feet and my hands, not my mouth. And that'll give you a better indication of what is real. I would say that if I want to well, I'll find out what you're really about is let me see your checkbook and your um, calendar, and I'll know what matters to you. And if I am I'm living my life in a way that my values inform everything I do, all my affairs, then I don't have to tell you a syllable about it. It'll show up. And then I don't need to run around and, oh, I'm so thankful for this and that and that, because then it gets almost trivial. It trivializes. It makes it cliched. But it does create a tone that people like to be around when you do it. Well, this is a great time of year as an excuse. To count that and, you know, to people can understand that uh, it's an excuse. This is a holiday that we set aside just to say what we're mm-hmm. grateful for and what we're thankful for. So it'd be a good time to start that list you were talking about, a gratitude list. I think it's a wonderful thing. And I tell everybody I work with is trying to get off the drugs and alcohol. I say, this, this is job one. You start writing down what you're grateful for. Because that is an antidote for the resentments and the anger. And Of course, when you're coming out of that, a lot of times you have legal issues and judicial issues going on and financial issues, and you tend to blame a lot of other people. And when you start being grateful for some things, then you have a way to start taking down some of all those negative experiences, negative emotions, and turn it around and get into a solution instead of into a problem. Well, I got two more questions. One, when, do you know when you might get your book together and get it out? Are you working on that? Oh, I hope to have it out maybe January. Okay. And the second one, is there anything 
in this past year in your own life, I've been asking everybody this that you're personally grateful for. I feel like I made some huge progress in how to effectively participate in relationships. I've lived for I was brought up in an alcoholic addict family and didn't learn squat about how to um, manage my part of a relationship, romantic, non-romantic, whatever. And last year I seemed to have been granted several opportunities to do that. And it's been very, very special. I've had a, a lot of travel this past year with several people and we've been granted something really, really special. And I think that because that was something that's tormented me my whole life was not having a clue how humans work. <laughs> I'm not sure it's to work, but at least I'm learning how to manage my part of, of those relationships a bit better. And it's been very satisfying. This year, the sense of connection that I've had has been wonderful. And I would say that the local Y that we have here has been a huge part of that because I'm in the place all the time and I feel adopted by the staff there. If you've been in the Y, those pictures hanging in the in the halls are Craig's. He, he's a photographer. Uh, you're also very involved in the free clinic and a number working, of other charitable organizations in town. I work in the free clinic twice a, a week on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the dentistry, making people beautiful and stamping out pain. That's <laughs> what we do down there. And then I'm involved with the you know, South Main Chapel and Mercy Center. We do. I uh, talked to Kurt this morning. He's part of this show tonight. Yes, he um, is the best. He walks his talk. Right. In fact, I'll be going down there in a couple hours to have Thanksgiving dinner. Well, tell him we said hello again and happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate and you taking time well. to talk to us. May the bird be with you. He certainly doesn't have to worry about the bird being with us. Uh, <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. The brine is ready. Very, very uh, good conversation about gratitude from, from someone who gets it, someone who really is grateful for what's happened in their lives and, and is willing to be completely open and share that with other people. I hope you have enjoyed this extended Thanksgiving podcast. I think it was worth devoting this much time to such an important topic. I'd like to join the chorus of Thanksgiving for this community and for those who make it a better place, in today's Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust, only scratch the surface of the great folks who like and to live and work here. You can probably think of a dozen just like I did off the top of your head. If so, call them up and thank them this week. I am also grateful, personally, for my wife, Deborah Wilson, whose unflagging support for a writer and husband who wants to make our hometown a better place, whether he makes any money doing it or not. She's always been there for me and supported me. And I'm also grateful for my son, Luke, who's at Clemson, and my daughter, Sarah, who's in high school, and my parents, Jim and Tina Wilson, who live here, and many of you know them and the contributions they continue to make to this community. My brother, Dr. Jeff Wilson, who used to be part of the school district five here and is now a superintendent in Georgia. I could not possibly have been blessed with a better family, and I am looking forward to devouring, devouring a turkey with them on Thursday and all the fixings. And I'll have to say today is my Thanksgiving, I guess the, my Thanksgiving message to everybody and what I'd like to say is I wouldn't trade places with anybody in the world. I am also grateful to all of you who listen to and support the Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust. We hope to continue to be an advocate for everything that's good in this town and everyone working to make it better. And a special thanks go to our sponsors for the past seven months. Solomon's at Brookstone. Bill Nickus has been a good friend and a big supporter 
of what we're doing here in this community in ways that people will never know. Tom Dunaway has been a great supporter of, of my career here and our career on the radio and other places. Just a good guy. If you need those guys for business, if you want to eat, go to Sullivan's at Brookstone or Sullivan's downtown. Best food in town. Nothing comes close. And if you need an attorney for anything, Tommy Dunaway will take care of you. I can promise you that. Well, that is it for this Thanksgiving edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast. We are news from people you trust. Tune in next week when we'll talk to Anderson County Councilman Francis Crowder and his new campaign, a proclamation which will be read at next Tuesday's council meeting to make the coming month shop local December to support our local businesses here in Anderson County. Have a great week, and until next time, find someone you are grateful for and tell them why. I think of when I had none